You know, as we begin episode 141, the question that's ringing in my head, Hotshot Scott, is what moment is appropriate within this episode to bring up the name Tawny Katane? Do we bring it up right away, or does she go to the rest in pieces in the other stuff segment? I didn't know we were going to do anything but talk about her today. The whole so, show. That's right. I, that's what I thought we were doing for I'm two hours. I'm just wondering aloud whether people know who we're talking about. Does everybody in our audience... I guess our audience might be a little bit older for the podcast. I don't know. Well, I've been to a couple. You know, we've had some show events before COVID. And yeah. There's some young people. Oh, I was going to say the opposite. I mean, it looks like people our age and a little older. So I. Oh, no young people. Were there? Oh, yeah. Well, I come from Q93. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. There were young people. I mean, I'm, there weren't 19 year olds. <laughs> okay, yeah. But I saw a lot of people younger than me. Yeah. Most wow. of the people were younger than me. So I think a lot of our audience would know. I think, you know, I mean, I'm not saying they've thought about her in the last 20 years, but boy, I they have to know. Tawny I know, I know. She made a huge what splash. What happened? Do you know? Suspicious? No? I think what she... What happened? She, oh, as far as the death goes? Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to know these things. Well, you're, you're my... I've got you signed on as my RIP expert. The coroner texted me earlier, <laughs> and they, they don't have a cause of death yet. So, but oh. I know she's had her demons in the past, but then yeah. I think she cleaned up, so it'd be... It'd be a shame if she then relapsed. What I don't is know. she most known for, Tawny Katane? Oh, White Snake videos. Oh, yeah. No question. I mean, did she acted for a bit. Remember, she was in Bachelor Party with oh, Tom yeah. Hanks? Oh, yeah. Weird she was, that she worked alongside Tom Hanks. She was in Seinfeld. <laughs> I did read that, yeah. Yes, you wouldn't know that. No, but she I was wouldn't. in Seinfeld. That's right. She was in a famous nose episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> Hold your jokes. <laughs> but she got up one morning. She must have gotten up one day and looked in the mirror and said, I want to change. Well, who hasn't? That was well, yesterday for me. <laughs> it's every Wednesday for yeah, me. That's right. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I know something happened. Oh it, it's, gosh, I, I watch. I don't know who White Snake is. You do. I really don't. You know a song, but I remember the videos. Yeah, people would say, "Mitch, go watch the videos." <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, "Who's this White Snake fella?" But I like her. <laughs> I'm like 13 when those came out, and oh. those videos made me a man. I mean, I remember oh. watching those things going, who, who's doing acrobatics beautiful. On, the, on the hood of a car? And before people start yelling, this isn't sports. Oh. Before Richard Gould starts penning his next email, <laughs> yeah. it is sports. Yes, it is. She right. was married, at least for a period of time. Five years. To the tall left-handed pitcher of the California Angels, Chuck Finley. And she used to make, I would say, semi-regular appearances here in Seattle, I believe, in the kingdom. Hmm. I think I saw her. Really? I think I saw her in the kingdom with her husband pitching on the mound. Now, huh. something happened between those two. You know, she it, was arrested and charged with some sort of assault of him, right? Yeah, it, it got ugly at one point. Between there was those two. Some kicking in the head with heels on. And yeah. he, I think he actually is the one that pressed charges yeah, against her. Yeah. And then they split up and yeah, yeah, all that. But it seemed like she had kind of gotten her life back together. I was looking at her Twitter, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of art and painting and seemed like to be in a peaceful place. And yeah, shame. But pretty, pretty big part of our childhoods, at least mine. I mean, she Major. Was, yeah. Major. She was a big okay. deal. She was on the cover of Rat's first two albums, too. The band Rat, she's the one she's on all fours and the Out of the Cellar on that album. And just, yeah. Yeah, she was... Uh, how she old was, was she when she passed away? 59 years old. And we don't old. know why. We don't know how. Not yet as of this recording. There hasn't been a cause. Shit. Yeah, I know. Rough one. She'd be a good one to have on the, on the... I mean, I hate to say it now, but on the pod... Like, you don't think about people like that. I don't think I'm going to be able to get her No, now. I don't think so now. 
But I mean, oh, what you, sh- yes. What's wrong with me? I know you could talk to her about. I mean, she seems like Anything. she's open to it too. She's yeah. Well, in, is she open to talk about the plastic surgeries? Because she went wild there for a yeah for a time. She changed her whole appearance. She did. I, which I watched, is such a shame because she was such a beautiful woman. Well, I think that's the problem is that they they try to relive twenty two, but yeah, there but is, she did this at like twenty eight. Didn't she? She was pretty young. I don't she know. She started young. Yeah, started really young. Oh. Yeah. I watched all the housewives, and I've seen them all. They, at some point, they just they turn on their face. They get too much done. Like They, uh, they, they kind of don't know a, when. It's really sad, actually. It, it is sad because sad. it's like just it's, it's okay to be a good-looking 50-year-old. You don't have to try to look 22. That's Trust never going to happen. I, I know about that. <laughs> I know. <it's, laughs> That's right. You tell yourself that every day in the mirror. <laughs> is Piper's mom getting pampered? On this Mother's Day 2021. She was asleep when I left, so that's a good sign. (laughs) They were both asleep on the couch with the dog watching a movie, so that's a good sign. Went to brunch and got some gifts, and yeah, I think she's doing okay. And who won the rematch between the Pipers? Do we need to get an update on that? Do people listening to this and even know what we're talking about? Was that a P episode? Might have been a P episode. That might have been a Piper episode, a P episode. Yes, it was, as a matter of fact. She ran into another Piper in a softball game, That's correct, yes. And then the dad introduced himself to me. Yes, and he's a patron. He's a patron, yes. He's a patron. And And his daughter got the better of your Piper the first time around. She did. And there was a rematch this past week. Yep. And... Big rematch. Same result? Different result. Different result. Piper Soden's team got him 15 to 10. Oh, really? A real pitcher's duel. Yes. <laughs> it was weird, though. That Piper, my wow. daughter's my daughter's first at bat, she hits the ball right to the other Piper, yeah. and now they're both racing for the bag. It was like Piper on Piper crime right Where here. Where was this other Piper playing? First base, first, second base? First base. Oh, first base. So race to the bag. Race. I should be able to get that. Race to first base. As a highfalutin podcast guy. <laughs> sports guy, especially. I should be able to know where she was playing if there was a race for the bag. Let me tell you something. If yeah. she was racing from third to the bag, that would say something about your Piper's <laughs> speed. I wouldn't put that past her. She'll only play for two years or a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a double dose in this household. You do. Today is not only Mother's Day, but is Max's 19th birthday. That is correct. That's so right. So we are doing this podcast on a Sunday night. We're recording it. We're getting it off to Steve, and I'm taking everybody out. We're going to Daniel's Broiler. Really? I've been double vaccinated. I'm feeling oh, good. Congrats. We may eat inside. We made it outside. We're going to Daniel's. Nice. The world's your oyster now. Inside, right. outside. <laughs> Yes. We're going to have steak. Oh, we're going to have shrimp. We're going to have scallops. We're going to have salads. It's kind of nice you get to do one dinner to cover both. That's that's actually kind of nice. Kind of like two or three dinners in certain ways. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> That's true. <laughs> Episode 141. Subscribe, listen, review us. One to five stars. I like this one. We just got a five-star rating. I really like this one. On Apple Podcasts from a listener. Okay. A five-star rating poured in. Yes. Uh, from M-I-Q-U-E-K. M-I-Q-U-E-K. Okay. I don't know how you want to pronounce yeah, that. I don't know. We got five stars, Good. and he or she writes, Engaging pod. Mm-hmm. Enjoy Mitch's eclectic interviews with offbeat personalities. Hotshot is a good-natured sidekick. Oh, I am good-natured. The Seahawks stuff know. gets repetitive at times, but I gather Mitch had a sports show back in the day. <laughs> 
That's actually, I actually, that's a good sign. I actually like that. That's somebody who has absolutely no idea love where it. we come from. Yes, that, that I love. They don't know the T Man. That's right. They don't know Dick Fane. Right. They don't know Sam the Fisherman. They don't know any of it. Yeah. They're not yelling for for <laughs> Sandmeyer to come back and do the Magnolia Dynamo. <laughs> right. They know nothing about. All they know is that they've stumbled upon this podcast. I love that. And you're good natured. Yeah, and I'm, you're much more than a sidekick. I'm, sidekick. Oh, yeah. I know that the word sidekick has negative connotations. Ed McMahon was the only one who ever embraced sidekick. The infamous yeah, Ed McMahon. I don't know. I, I, sidekick's not a nice term. It's a little demeaning in a way. It's a little dismissive. Dismissive, of I guess. The role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, you, run the, you, you run the joint. That's right. I am in charge. <laughs> you wait till the end of the show. How about the guest? One of the guests we have. We, we don't have one of the guests. It's A. You didn't bring her to our attention, and yep. then B, go out and find her. Yes. No sidekick does that. That's, That's right. a triple role. That's right. No so, one else knows everything there is to know about Michael McDonald and lays it down on oh, audio for I'm you. I'm getting there. All right, all right. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron to unlock the extra shows each week yeah. at $5 a month. I'm also supposed to tell you, patron, Patreon wants me to tell all the patrons out there and those that are considering becoming a patron that it's not only $5 a month. If you want to just do the year in one payment, yeah. it's $55. Now, even your East Skate State University math will tell you yeah. that that gives you that's an a that's a buy eleven months get one month free it sure is yes it is that's great fifty five dollars for long. the year yeah great. that's available to everybody that's just a Patreon thing love it um, patrons were spoiled this week ladies and gentlemen we had one forty p which I thought was a dandy show it was but that's not why they were spoiled oh boy Hotshot Scotts musical journey. With Michael McDonald. What a fool believes. That's right, yes. Michael McDonald became number like five or six or seven in your news. And I haven't heard one neg. In fact, I am so annoyed that I don't get a negative thing about your your musical journeys. I'm going to write one myself and post it on there. M-U-S-I-K-U will be you. That'll be me. That'll be me. Well, what, there was a backhanded. There was a little bit of a backhanded, you know. Shot in one, in one of the comments. Oh, I didn't see that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little it's long. It's funny that you remember oh, that of course. one. That's, that's the what one I, you remember. I'm the comic looking at the guy with his Michael arms Michael McDonald. What row. made you want to do Michael McDonald? You had just done Stevie Nicks. Yep. And I told you that on the Peace Show this the past Thursday, I told you I just got finished listening to the Stevie Nicks one when, bam, like almost as if I, I, I turn off the Stevie Nicks. Okay, I'm up to date. A new one pops <laughs> More <up>. homework. <laughs> Well, I, why Michael McDonald? I've told you that I have to really love the person because it is a lot of work. So yeah. it has to be someone I'm a fan so of. So Peter Cetera's out. He just seems like a dick, Peter Cetera. He is just he? seems like a jerk. Yeah. How do you know that? Well, I know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stuff. He wouldn't perform in Chicago. Uh, and he okay. just, eh, he just right. seems a little prickly. Okay. Even though I'm a fan. Okay. I, I don't know that our listeners would love a Peter Cetera one. Okay. Although the next one I'm going to do. Oh, you've already decided. I'm a little nervous. It's a lot of love songs from, from, from this fella. Ooh. I'm right in. I'm I, in there. I, I think like a, I like a, I like a nice love song. You know you'll that. like this person better, I think, than all of them. Really? Yeah. I, I think this will be more in your wheelhouse. Really? Yep. Okay. He was once the singer in a band, and then he went solo. Yeah. His first debut single as a solo artist went to number one, and the next twelve went top ten. Wow. Impressive. From eighty-two to eighty-seven. This will be I'm right not in your good wheelhouse. With music trivia, so don't ask me who it is. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea. I mean, that's. I have yeah. no idea. But but you did Michael McDonald. How yeah. long is the Michael McDonald podcast for the patrons? It's like an hour ten. It's, it's a little. It's, I, I did like a, five or six minutes on Rod Temperton, this famous producer. So if, yeah. had I have taken that out, it'd been yeah. about an hour. But okay. I had to do it. So. Karen Lindsay says you did an outstanding job, Scott. I loved every minute. Ryan Booker says I don't even like Michael McDonald, <laughs> and I enjoyed listening to this. Kevin Ferguson <laughs> writes, "Awesome. The Doobies were incredibly forward." 
thinking for their time as well. Wow, I really enjoyed that. Great job. Your love and appreciation of the music really comes through. Very the nice. critics have spoken, and this is a this is a big hit. Nice. This well, Michael McDonald is a big hit. Yes, I, I like doing ones where people might think they don't love them. You know, because you go Michael McDonald, doobies maybe, but but then they listen. And they're like, oh yeah, I guess he is but more. The problem than that. with that is, that's probably ten percent of the universe of people that don't like Mike McDonald. The other ninety percent don't listen, so they never get a chance. Yeah, I hope they don't judge a book by its cover. Really, I hope they don't, because he, there might be more to him that, than you know, and you may enjoy it. But Joe Rogan's got a few new shows out. <laughs> it's Joe. hard to turn Joe off from Michael McDonald. Joe Rogan. Yeah, I know. Oh, God, he gets a lot of listeners. Uh, Episode 141 is about to begin. Let me tell you about the guests, the eclectic group of guests on episode 141. This is the off season, so we're spreading our wings. And I hope, just like you hope, people won't turn away from Michael McDonald's podcast because they don't like Michael McDonald. I hope that you won't hear, hear these three names and say, I'm not interested in them. Because I think once you listen, you might like it. Yeah. Marty Moore, you don't know the name. You may, you're not going to know any of these names. Okay. Marty Moore did what no one had ever accomplished in the NFL before him. Do you know what they call the last pick of the NFL draft each year? Is it Mr. Irrelevant? Yes. Okay. In 1976, that term began. It did? Yes. I 1976. Kind of no, 1976. <laughs> wow. But in those days, there were 17 rounds in the draft. I could have got so drafted. Mi- so Mr. Irrelevant was the last pick of the 17th round. <laughs> How many picks was that? Do we know? Do the math? It was like 500 picks. Jeez. Okay. Nowadays, there's only seven rounds. Yeah. So there's more of a chance that the Mr. Irrelevant of the 90s or 2000s could actually do something in the NFL. Yep. He's not a 17th round draft choice. Well, the 1994 Mr. Irrelevant was a guy named Marty Moore. He was the 222nd and final pick of the 1994 draft. He was the first Mr. Irrelevant to start his rookie season. He was the first Mr. Oh. Irrelevant to play in a Super Bowl. He was the first Mr. Irrelevant to win a Super Bowl. He's walking around with a ring. He had a nine wow. or ten year career in the NFL. And we thought, this guy's got an interesting story to tell. Sure. He thought he was going to be drafted in like the fourth round. He waited, he waited, he waited. The call never came. Then Bill Parcells in 1994 called him right before the last pick and said, we're making you Mr. Irrelevant. And he was like, he viewed himself out of the University of Kentucky, this guy Marty Moore, as I'm a football player. I'm a good football player. He never thought of himself as like an underdog. Right. He was like an all-SEC player at the University of Kentucky. Okay. So he went in there, won a job as a special teams guy. Ended up starting the first game against Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant started game one of the following rookie season. Good for him. And he's going to tell a story. I can't believe Bill Parcells actually makes the call. Oh, yeah. On the seventh pick or the seventh round pick. Last guy in the draft. Somebody impersonating. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably what it was. Just tell him you're me. <laughs> yeah. So Marty Moore is guest number one. Mr. Irrelevant, 1994. Love it. Guest number two is an ode to Mother's Day weekend, which just passed. Two sons in the big leagues, one starred in Seattle. Let's see if you can get this right. Two sons in Major League Baseball, one starred in Seattle, and she was also married. So the father of those two boys, her husband, was a longtime Major League star catcher, and he was a manager as well. Okay. So. I think I got it. Really? I think. I don't know. I think so. 
Her husband, the father of these two boys, was was also a very good Major League Baseball player for a lot of years and a manager. Okay. And because it was Mother's Day weekend, we thought we'd spend some time with her to tell us the story of being one of those moms that's just cheering for their sons. Crazy. Sacrificed their lives, really. Any aspirations she had, she put aside right. so she could be the, the mother of these three boys. And now she's a grandma. And now she's got grandchildren playing baseball. She's, Time to dust off the lawn chair. <laughs> she said, I swear to you, when I married or I met Bob, my husband, yeah. I knew nothing. I was from Fargo, North Dakota. I knew nothing about baseball. <laughs> and my whole life has been baseball ever since. And now she's in her 70s. I love Who is it. she? Oh, it's got to be Booney's, uh, Booney's mom. <laughs> is that That'd right? Be right. <laughs> if you tell me your first name, I'll really be impressed. Barbara Boone. You got it. Come there on. Yeah. <laughs> I just needed some. Sue B. Boone is, epi- Sue is, Boone. Is, is is interview number two. Nice. All right. And then you know who interview number three is. I'm glad it worked out. I was I, this whole time. I'm like going through this. I'm thinking, is she pulling our leg? I, I wasn't sure. Like you think the story's fraudulent? I. I I wasn't I sure. I hope the story's not fraudulent now, now that wow. we've done the interview. If it's a good story. Who gives a crap? <laughs> <laughs> How was she? Was she uh, good? She was good. Good. 19 years old. You brought our attention to the story. You brought her to our attention. Her name is Maddie Kohout. 19 years old. Recently decided to move from Oklahoma to Arkansas. Rented a two-bedroom apartment in her new hometown. Yep. Got there in the evening. Signed the lease. Moved in in the dark. And then began to notice that something was really odd. Everybody in her complex was really, really old. Yes. I love it. 19-year-old Maddie Kohout rented an apartment and moved in, is now living in a senior citizen community without knowing in advance. Did you ask if there's any vacancy? Because that's living your dream right there. No, but I did ask if we could have all the other people on the show. Because, you know, I love old people. Yes, you do. Yeah. Chronicling her story on TikTok. Mm Mm-hmm. Her mistake, which, as it turns out, was a blessing in disguise. She loves where she is. Good. They're not throwing her out. All the old people love her. They dote on her. Great. They watch to see who she's going out with, what boys are coming. <laughs> it's probably exciting for them in a way. She you know? spends time in the apartments with uh, all the other, yeah. You don't have to worry about- 19-year-old living in a senior citizen community in Arkansas. You don't have to worry about big loud ragers on Saturdays no. next door. No. They're all in bed by 8.30. All Peace and quiet. <laughs> Love it. Right. It actually sounds so, kind of nice. There you go. And you brought her to her, and you went and found her. I did find very, her, yeah. Very impressive. Love the internet. It's great that way, isn't very, it? Very, very I'm either impressive. a great producer or a great stalker. I don't know. There's a fine line between what I am. So there's your eclectic mix of interviews for this episode 141, okay? Love it. Hotshot, there's no episode 141. There's no Mitch Unfiltered without our sponsors. Sunday was not only Mother's Day, but Movie Mogul Max's 19th birthday. Where does everyone want to celebrate? Daniel's Broiler, of course. South Lake Union this time around. Steaks, salads, popcorn, shrimp. It's always been the very best place to celebrate special occasions. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Our deck area remodel continues. Picked out a new outdoor fireplace from Fireside Home Solutions. John Waterstrat's team was here, helped us plan a fantastic new look in the backyard. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Jordan Flowers' team with the Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage continues saving unfiltered listeners lots of money on their monthly mortgage payments. Clients are even pulling cash out to do remodels or pay bills. It's as simple as a seven-minute call, 425-250-3150, the Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage. Ever 
Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors and certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. And Zeke's Pizza, uniquely Northwest with the best craft beer selection you'll find anywhere. And by the way, you can have your favorite beer delivered to your door by downloading the Zeke's Pizza app. Now in Kenmore, coming soon in Bellingham, Zeke's Pizza's popping up all over the place, homegrown in the Northwest. This is episode 141. It's a good one, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. I hope that his life is okay, and I hope that he can he can excel with the Cleveland Browns, yeah. but if we see him excelling with the Cleveland Browns, if we see him sacking quarterbacks with the Cleveland Browns, yeah. that's going to be a hard pill to swallow because I, w- I would have liked to have seen him do that here in Seattle. Unfiltered. 13 months after trying to take his own life and losing his right eye. He is going to step into the batter. He's going to dig into the batter's box with one eye against incredible. somebody throwing 95 miles an hour. It's incredible. If that's not a guy you can root for, right. then I, I, I give up. Mitch is unfiltered. We begin episode 141 for reals now, Hotshot. And before you jump in here, if you haven't clicked play on any of the recent episodes, Mm -hmm. if you're a listener and you're enjoying Mitch Unfiltered, it really does do us a favor if you go back to the shows that you haven't listened to. I don't know why you wouldn't listen to them. I thought 140 last week was really good. I thought the guests were good. We had Dwayne Eskridge's college coach on. We had Randy Mueller telling the stories about trading up for Walter Jones. Right, that 1997. We had Joe and Brady on the Seahawks note table reacting to the draft. Anyway, click play. It helps us. Go back to all the shows that you haven't clicked play on. It helps us. It'll keep us around for a while. Hey, you're working from home. You got nothing else to do. Just put it up there. And Most just people are click, working click, from click, home. Click, yeah, yeah, just it takes 10 seconds. And tell tell your neighbor. Tell someone else yes, about the show, please. Please. That helps as well. Spread that the really, word. Yes, we'd yeah. like it to grow. All right, this we're definitely not going to discuss the Paul brothers this episode, right? Did isn't there a mandate on Jake and Logan? <laughs> Do you have Paul fatigue? I'm almost willing to let you do Florida man stories. I think they might live there. No, I don't know. <laughs> I might let you go back to Florida man stories before you discuss the Paul. Okay, fair enough. Okay? And if you're feeling that no. way, then I'm sure the listeners are. I don't too. even know who these guys are, and I don't even want to hear about them anymore. They annoy me. Well, that's the point. The whole thing is an annoyance. They are so annoying. They're annoying. They're the annoying kid in college that if you're not friends with them, you hate him. But if you're friends with them, you, you kind of laugh at him picking on other. They're they're just they're the most annoying people in the world, and one of them's going to fight Floyd Mayweather. That doesn't intrigue you at all. No, because I don't even like Floyd Mayweather. That's the other guy I don't like. All right, but when a, he's Money our, Mayweather. Money Mayweather. Yes, I'm out. Why are we starting here? Oh, we're not actually. I told you we're not going to discuss the you Paul brothers. You slipped the Paul brothers yeah, in on I, me. I kind of he pulled the hat off his head. You saw that video? No, I don't think I did. Oh, I want please, to discuss please. it. Please, Do we have to discuss? Okay, it? we don't. How about a little stump the band? Well, that well is that better? Stump the band. Yeah. Well, you got to describe because we have that guy who says he must have done a radio show back in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. you got to explain what Stump the Band is. Well, he doesn't know from you, but he loved Johnny Carson. I hope so. Yeah, he loved I him. I stole that right from Johnny Carson. Uh, Straight from Johnny. Oh, my God. Yeah, but it's you tweaked it. Yeah, but yours is just straight trivia from listener. Yeah, but the the title is Stump the yeah, Band. Yeah, well, all right. Yeah. Pre-internet, everyone stole Do you everything. remember Stump the Band, the Johnny Carson bit, or no? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think he would go into the audience... 
but it was all it was all rigged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It was all pre-written. And, yeah, yeah, you go yeah. into the audience, say, who wants to stump the band over a prize? If you stump the band, you get a prize. And everybody would raise their hands, and then he'd go over to somebody, and, the per- and you'd say, and Doc Severinsen and the band would be standing there. <laughs> and the person, the fr- where are you from? Uh, you know, Keisha, Wisconsin, whatever. <laughs> Always Wisconsin. What, what's, what's the name of the song? Oh, you know, and they'd all bring up these folk songs that they knew as kids, like, you know, Oh, Golly Gee. Right. (laughs) And Doc Severinsen would always say, Oh, we know Oh, Golly Gee. (laughs) One, two, three. And the band would just start playing. And he'd start singing, Oh, Golly Gee. (laughs) And, And the woman would say, no, that's not. <laughs> After they did this whole thing. Right, right. Seconds. Yeah. No, it's funny. And she then sing it, oh, golly gee, whatever. Yeah. And he'd give her a gift certificate for dinner at a Hollywood or Burbank restaurant. Nice. Or as you say, Burbank restaurant. A Burbank, California. A Burbank, yes. California that's restaurant. That's right. Beautiful That downtown. was something. So when I, came, when I came to Seattle in 1995, sports radio, the big thing in sports radio has always been Trivia questions. You ask sports trivia questions, okay. and you have callers call the first person or the ninth person to answer right. this sports trivia question. So I always wanted to turn it around. When I was a producer back in D.C., I wanted to turn it around. I didn't want to ask the question. I wanted people to ask us the question. Yeah, and if they stumped us, so so I, I stole from Johnny Carson, stumped the band. That's I'm, where stumped the band came from. I'm the one that used to have to call the gas man, Graz, Everyone else to come be part of the band when you be first started. Be part of the band. And we like to have all kinds yeah. of people in the band. Yeah. And like everything, it got weird at some point. And, you know, I quit calling. It was just me, you, and Fish. You know, like everything else in radio, it got it weird. It weird. Well, I, they, they, didn't, they quit doing it after a while. I mean, maybe it was a little too much every day. But, yeah, it got weird. It got weird at some point. We were doing it. You're talking about 1996. Yes. We were doing it in 2016. So how weird did it get in 1996? Oh, gas was coming on I'm every so, day in 2016. He came on in two, t- 2010, 2011. <laughs> did he really? He can't. I was doing shows with you and him and on Mondays yeah. on his show. That's true. Time. That's Got true. Weird. All right. Yes. One player in NFL history has at least 55,000 passing yards and 300 passing touchdowns in their first 13 seasons. Only one has one, ever done it. Yeah, one. I thought this was kind of bizarre. I thought there'd be more. I mean, I you're guess asking me who that is. It's a lot of yards. Yeah, 55,000. Passing yards and 300 passing touchdowns on well, the first thirteen. This seasons. is a this question is is a clear function of the times because they're throwing the ball like n- they've never thrown it before. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, these yeah. quarterbacks have have crazy stats now that they that the greats of the game didn't have 25, 30 years ago right. because the game has changed. Poor Dave Craig so, is underground chuck. So it's somebody who's still playing. Yep, somebody who still starts. Matthew Stafford. It is not Matthew. Aaron Rodgers. It is not Aaron Rodgers. It is a Matthew though. Not Hasselbeck. Matt Ryan. Correct, sir. Matty Ice. Yeah. I thought, I don't know. I've always thought he was good, but I didn't think yeah. that. Maybe it's the 13-year thing. Maybe a lot of these other guys that I just mentioned have played like 11 or yeah. 12 years, and they haven't got there yet. And as soon as they get to 13 years, <laughs> they're, they're going to go right past There'll be a list guy. of 10 of these in like yeah. five years. Yeah. All right, there you go. That's, that's, that's my trivia the question. Band. There you go. Not bad, right? Yeah, and you stumped the band. I did, yes. Mark Porter writes, stick to sports? Uh, that's on the subject line. My wife and I travel to Salem, Oregon often. I save Mitch Unfiltered episodes to enjoy on the way. Hmm. My wife is not a sports junkie, so when I first put Mitch Unfiltered on, I expected feedback. I got feedback. She said, I like this show, good find. There's no way, Mitch, she'd ever deal with sports talk for three hours on our trip. Yeah. 
So you can throw my wife on that list too. No, wants, there's no way. <laughs> so he wants me to keep it just as is. Okay, good. See? Don't worry about sticking to sports. The sports. Otherwise, thing. we lose her. The problem is they only click the play button once between the two of them. So I only oh. get credit for the one anyway. Yeah. Now, if he told me that she clicks it on like five devices and he clicks it on five devices, well, yeah. maybe I maybe I wouldn't stick to sports then. I think the problem is that you did a daily sports show that was up to date, like sports, like lots of. So now that I think this they, is the problem. The problem is, is that we for people who aren't patrons, they hear you once a week. Like how much right. up to date sports talk are you even good? Like even if you dove in to the the day of sports news on yes. Sunday or whenever, yeah. yeah. How fresh is it going to be by the time they get to it? Like it's not even as possible fresh to as do. Stump the band was in 2011. <laughs> you weren't doing like the schnozza at the end. Yes, I was. Oh man. You needed me. I think I invented both of those. But I got a memo for you. The Schnaz stories changed every day. So it was there you go. very, okay. very fresh. And you also changed my open that I made for you in 1997. No, we kept on using that one. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Frank from Mount Vernon writes, Mitch, your radio show was overrated. Decided to see if the podcast was oh, any better. Here we go. Nope. Same old fit. Same old Mitch. Was that an email? Yeah. What? Your radio show was overrated, dot, dot. Decided to see if the podcast was any better. Nope. Same old Mitch. Who's compelled to do that? <laughs> I'm going to fire off an email to Mitch. Gosh, who is that? Hey, Mitch, the pod is better than your morning show. Stay the course. What do you think about a possible Aaron Rodgers for Russell Wilson trade? Straight up. Does it work? Question mark. Well, I think we know the answer. You've already given the answer. You're, you, the answer? you're into that. Well... I'm kind of into that. You're into that, yes. Not kind of, on the back I've actually given a lot of thought to that trade. Let's make sure that we lay the cards on the table. Okay. That trade cannot happen unless Russell Wilson, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers, by the way, you're going to find this kind of silly, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers has a no-trade clause in his contract, which is crazy to even think about. That is crazy. How could he not have, right. at age 38, a no-trade contract? We know that Russell Wilson has a no-trade clause clause in his contract and we know that he gave them four teams and the green bay packers weren't on it right and we also could probably do a little figuring a little investigative thinking and ask the question does sierra does hollywood star sierra <laughs> want to live in appleton wisconsin <laughs> right and by the way does they, russell wilson at this stage of where he is well he did live in wisconsin yeah before he was he, he wasn't what he is now. Okay, fine. Okay. Fine. Do they want to go back and live in 2021 in Green Bay, Wisconsin? Hey, money goes a little further. Money goes yeah, and you get a nice house. I don't house. think they're worried about the money. No, they're not worried about the money. Okay. But uh, and, uh, by the way, he w the Packers weren't on the list because they have Aaron Rodgers. So mm, well, he we might be open to it. Do we know that the Packers weren't on the list because they have Aaron Rodgers? Do we know the Packers were on, weren't on the list because they don't want to live in Green Bay? That they gave them towns at the Dallas. Right. Yeah. Maybe you just assume they're not trading Aaron Rodgers, so why would I even put them on my list? I don't know. I know. You can start and end the conversation there if you'd like to about the possibility of these two being traded for one another. Yeah. Because if Russell Wilson doesn't say, I'm in, I'll go play for the Packers and move my kids and Sierra to Appleton, Wisconsin, then there cannot be a trade. Let's put that aside okay. for a second. Because what's interesting about this, and I've given this a lot of thought, and I know there's a million Seahawks fans that are saying, "No, we don't want, we don't want Aaron Rodgers. We hate Aaron Rodgers. Nobody gets along with Aaron Rodgers. He's five years older than Russell Wilson. We love Russell Wilson. He should never play a game anywhere else." I know, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I'm not one of those people, 
but I get it. But let's just have some fun with it just for for shits and giggles. I like Can it. I say that sure. for shits and giggles? Yeah, yeah. Because I think what's interesting about it is in a lot of ways, it fits. Normally, you get this kind of a hypothetical trade thing with two megastars and you can find a million salary cap reasons and uh-huh. team we- reasons and organizational reasons and you can find a million reasons why it doesn't fit. Outside of the fact that Russell Wilson and Sierra might not want to live in Green Bay, this actually, after June 1st, fits in a lot of ways, okay. which is kind of interesting. Number one. How many years does Russell Wilson have left on his contract? Do you know? How many seasons do you think he's got left on this, th- this mega deal that he signed a few years ago? I thought the dead money was three seasons. He's got three years left on his okay. contract. How many seasons does Aaron Rodgers have left on his contract? No clue. Three seasons. Uh, okay. So you'd be trading one guy with three years, one all-star with three years left, for another all-star with three years left, okay. right? Okay. Now, one guy is 38. Yeah. And one guy is 33. That's the tough one for okay, me. Okay, we'll come back to that in a second. Okay. The salary cap numbers. Is it doable from a salary? What would be the salary cap implications? That complicated formula? Could the Seahawks and Packers even do this? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give it to you in as, as, as concisely as I can from a Seahawks perspective. Okay. I think you probably heard the number 32 million. Russell Wilson in 2021 is going to cost the Seahawks $32 million against the cap. That's his cap number, $32 million. And the way they arrive at that is he got this bonus when he signed the deal that was prorated for $13 million a year. He's already got that money. Yeah. And then he gets a $19 million salary. Okay? Yep. 13 plus 19 equals 32. That's how they arrive. Okay. If he were to get traded after June 1st, his $19 million salary goes with him. Because somebody else pays it, so you're not on the hook for that. But you're still on the hook for the $13 million prorated. So that's dead money yep. for 2021. Aaron Rodgers would come with a 16 and change million dollar salaries and bonus, add 13 of dead money to the 16 and change that he would come with, and you come to what number? 13 and 16 yeah. would be 29 million. So you're at 29 and change. So it's a bargain. if you made the deal, Russell Wilson... For Aaron Rodgers in 2021, Aaron Rodgers plus the dead money that you lose on, on, on Russell Wilson would come to 29 and change. If you didn't do the deal and you go to the season like you're supposed to, Russell Wilson's going to cost $32 million salary cap. So you actually save money as a Seahawk in 2021 for if you made the deal after June 1st. For Aaron you actually save money, but you lose five years, too. I we can't. haven't gotten oh, there Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I haven't gotten hey, there Hey, quick yet. question about the dead money. I don't want to mean to distract you. Yeah. You may not know the answer. Okay. Is, is a team able to, let's say the Packers really wanted Russell Wilson, are they able to pick up the check for that dead money? Or, or are the Seahawks the only one that, that are allowed to pay that? I think by rule, the team that gave him that money. Yeah negotiated that deal and agreed to that money is on the hook for that money. There's no, hey, Packers, you want him. You pay Take, this dead money. Yeah, I don't, I've never heard okay. of, of shifting of money. Just curious. And salary cap numbers. I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I, don't, I don't think so. What was one of the main reasons why Russell Wilson apparently wasn't traded or they didn't negotiate with any teams when he gave them the four teams and they may have met with the Chicago Bears? What did we hear might have been the the one reason that got in the way of Russell Wilson being traded 
to the Chicago Bears. I thought we heard a lot of stuff. Well, I heard that Pete Carroll, at his age, oh, maybe doesn't didn't uh, want to start all over with a new right. quarterback. Yep. right. Didn't want to have a no, either no quarterback and have to go into the draft and get a new guy yeah. or get a Tua from Miami. Right. Okay. At his age, he's the he's the oldest coach in the NFL. Why do I want, if I'm Pete Carroll, why do I want to do that at this stage of my career? Yeah. Okay? I'll stay with Russell Wilson. Yeah. Now this. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There's no issue. I mean, Pete Carroll's not going to have a problem starting all over with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you think Aaron right? could pick up the offense okay? You think he'd figure it I out? I think he could figure it out. Yeah, I agree. So the biggest question is the age. You keep bringing up the age. Yeah. Why would we want to do this when Rodgers is 38 and Wilson is 33. Let me answer that two ways. Number one, what if the Packers said, okay, we recognize that we're sending you a 38-year-old quarterback, though we think he's got five, seven years left, and, he may. and we're getting 33-year-old. We'll throw in a number one draft choice. We'll give you Aaron Rodgers and a first-rounder mm-hmm. for Russell Wilson. That's my first question. My next question is this. Do you think... As they sit here today, as they sit, as as John Schneider sits in his bubble bath in Newcastle with his rubber ducky, <laughs> do you think in the back of his mind he believes that Russell Wilson will be here in the next contract? Uh, After all that yeah. happened this offseason, do you think the Seahawks as an organization, John Schneider, Pete Carroll, Jody Allen, Chuck Arnold, do you believe behind closed doors, if I said to those five people, what are the chances that Russell Wilson will sign a new... He's going to want unbelievable amounts of money, right? They haven't really gone far with him in the last three or four or five years. Yep. He's dissatisfied in, in some ways. We're talking about trading him this year. We're talking about trading him next year when the dead money's on. What are the chances, the real chances, that he's going to play the final three years of that contract here and then sign another one when he's 36 and play more? I contend the answer is they don't think that that's going to happen. They think he's either playing his last year, his second to last year this year, or his third to last year. One way or the other, Russell Wilson's not going to play more than three more years here. And if that's the case, hotshot Scott, then what – over the next three – you're okay with Aaron Rodgers over the next three years, right? If you're resorted to the fact as an organization, you're not going to have Russell Wilson beyond the next three years anyway, what does it matter that you're trading a 33-year-old for a 38-year-old at that point? Yeah. I happen to think that the age difference is not a big factor huh. because because of what I just told you, because I don't believe Russell Wilson will be here at age 36 or 37. I do not. Yeah. I think he's going to play his, his year at 33 – I think it's 50-50 if he plays the season next year at 34. Okay. I think it's less than 50-50 that he plays the season at 35, and I I think there's virtually no chance that he'll be here at age 36. Now, what's the difference right this very moment between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson's play? Well, Russell's faster and quicker at this point. Is he better? Do you have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson right now than Aaron Rodgers right now? And before you answer that question, remember what Aaron Rodgers was a year ago. He was only the MVP of the league. Okay? <laughs> I, I didn't forget. <laughs> and, and, and nearly flawless. Now, is he going to run around like Russell Wilson? No. Right. 
Could he get sacked more behind that offensive line? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Aaron Rodgers gets rid of the ball faster. Maybe he's smarter. Maybe he's savvier. Maybe maybe he does something different to avoid sacks than Russell Wilson's holding on the ball and running around and making plays. Who's more equipped right now to lead your football team? I mean, you don't have to sell me on Aaron Rodgers. I think he's one of the all-time greats. I am a fan. I think he's really, really good. Okay. I do like Russell's legs a little more, though. And maybe of I'm just being a do. homer. You should like him well. But the, but the, his legs are kind of putting me over the as the better quarterback at this point. Really? His mobility is just – It's you've never seen anything like it. Still? It's 85% of what it was. I it's, mean, he's it is? still really, really good at escaping trouble. It sounds like you're going on the the other side from that. Well, <laughs> you don't agree with me. I think Aaron Rodgers is playing football at a level that very few have ever done. And, I think Russell Wilson was at one point. I don't know that he is anymore. Okay. I uh, mean, the, the, I don't know. The question will be when because Ru- Russell's legs are going to continue to slow down. That's just yeah. nature taking action. They're going to continue. So then, when he's more of a pocket passer, yeah, what's he going to look like as a quarterback? Then that's what I mean. That's what you have to think about, too. At 36, he's not going to be, you know, 35. He's going to start slowing down and be less likely to run. I would contend he started slowing down at 30 and 31 and 32. Yeah. Took a lot of hits. No one's gotten hit more than Russell Wilson. Anyway, all this is just fun because it's not going to happen. Other stuff happening. uh, DK Metcalf ran in the trials for the Olympic trials. Did you see the race? I did. uh, Yeah, I did. And I, I think I can coach him to a better start. I think, I think his start was a little slow. Really? Because he hung in there for a while. But for that, about 50 or 60 meters, he was okay. That's the thing. He hung with those guys. But I think he needs to get out of the gate a little quicker. He was 15 out of 17th overall. He ran a 10-3-5, 100-meter in, in the Golden Games in California. Um, I watched it over and over and over again. He's a very big man. He's much bigger than those other guys. It, 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 he looked like he was a high school senior running in like a, a middle school meet at the end when they're milling around. He's yeah. just... You forget he can move that that much weight that fast is crazy. So was this an impressive performance or was it, eh? I mean, he did run a 10-3-5, 100-meter, which I guess is faster than people thought he he was going to run. He beat two of them, by the way. He beat two of them. (laughs) I mean, he's beating these world – these guys do this for a living. world-class He plays football. He does play football. he beat two of them. Yeah. I'm impressed. And one of them wasn't named Buda Baker. Buda Baker was not in lane <laughs> no, five. No chance, Buda Baker. So was it? So it was impressive, I'm, right? I'm, I'm very impressed. I, I'm kind. I of, didn't think he was the fastest man in the world. To answer your question, no, so. no, no one did. Okay, so then how could you not be impressed? And to be honest, he probably, if you would have said to me, Mitch, there's going to be 17 runners. What is he going to finish? I probably would have said to you, 17th out of 17. Okay. I might have said 16th out of 17th because somebody tripped and fell. <laughs> now here's here's what makes him really special. Let's put full pads on all 17. Now let's see who wins. All right? Yeah. Now let's see who wins. Yeah, and then throw them a ball, (laughs) by the way. So they can catch it on the run. But he's so strong. Yeah. He can carry the extra 35 pounds of gear, too. That's the impressive part, you know. It is. Yeah. I I think what I'm most impressed by is the fact that he was willing to do it. (laughs) No kidding. To me, you know, there are a lot of fast guys in a lot of sports who, if you said, go out and run with the world class, with with the Olympic guys, would not do it. Nope. No way. For fear of being just embarrassed exposed yeah he didn't give a shit not, not only he that went, he went out there he said you know uh, yeah i'm six four right. and i'm a wide receiver and i just want to see i just want to see that's right and i'm willing to do it yeah and i i applaud him for that 
It was kind of a throwback to the 80s when, when you would have, remember, Battle of the Network Stars? You, oh, yeah. you would never see that crap now. No. I'm surprised his agent actually. Let was, him do it. Maybe they didn't want him. His to agent do. was probably just closing his eyes the entire How about race. if he pulls a hammy? That's what I'm saying. Or any, God forbid, anything. How's Pete Carroll and John Schneider oh. feeling if he pulls a hammy? That's why I'm surprised uh, he did it. I'm not going to be there until training camp. <laughs> right. Because I had to serve my ego oh, to my see God. how fast I am. But no, I'm very impressed. I think a week ago at this time, we were talking about derby champion medina spirit yeah we were congratulations were in order a week ago on episode 140 to kentucky derby champion medina spirit who may not be the derby champion for much longer you are correct the horsey failed a drug test yeah and he may be stripped of his kentucky derby crown and his hall of fame trainer bob bafford has already been suspended from churchill downs a Churchill Down says, to be clear, if the findings are upheld, Medina Spirit's results in the Kentucky Derby will be invalidated and Mandelown will be declared the winner with the Preakness coming up on Saturday. Now, what about people who won money? Knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> okay. I was prepared for that question. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> Do they get to keep it? They don't have, they're going to track everyone down? <laughs> I don't think they're going to say, everybody come back and yes. give us our money back. Honor system. Just come on back, everyone. No, I don't think nah. that's going to happen. You get to keep your money, I'm guessing. But here's the problem. Okay. If he's disqualified, the question that you should have asked is not what happens to the people who've already cashed in on him. What you should have asked was, if he's disqualified, what happens to all the guys and gals that had the, the horsey that's going to be declared the winner? Right. What about those tickets? Yeah. Can I then go cash? If I haven't already ripped it up and thrown it in the trash, <laughs> right. can I go? Because that horsey was 25 to 1. Ooh, that's a big So day if day. that horse is declared a winner, $2 bets get you $50. Yeah. Okay? People walking into Caesars with taped up tickets that were once shredded. Trying they will to not be honored. No, I'm sure. They will not be honored. Even though you had picked the horse that won the Kentucky oh, Derby. Oh, that hurts. You are not going to be able to gain your money. Uh, real quickly, before we get to the uh, the three interviews and the other stuff segment, I do want to mention that the Mariners were, since the last time you and I were together for 140p, the Mariners were victim of another no-hitter this week. Hot shot, Scott. Yep. Did you see this? Yep. A guy by the name of John Means of the Baltimore Orioles came to Seattle and threw a no-no against your beloved Seattle Mariners. Yes. I'm certain you know this, right? Yes. Okay, you're looking at me. No, I'm kind just of a, wondering where you're going with no, this. No, I'm just asking. Yeah. Did you did you have any did you have any reaction? Well, I saw that they were hitting like I don't know 220 as a team, so I wasn't outraged. Lower? Is it lower? Yeah, like 201 or yeah, something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I wasn't like I wasn't surprised or outraged. And then I see your tweets about Jared Kelnick, and I'm like, all right, let's just start bringing them up. Well, it's, I have a couple things to say about the no-hitter. Season's over in May. <laughs> because every time a guy throws a no-hitter, everybody goes crazy. It's a surprise, even though there's been a bunch of them this year. You don't see no-hitters every single day. I mean, sure. a no-hitter's a hell of an accomplishment. It sure is, yeah. It's a hell of a thing. In this case, though, <laughs> I have an argument to be made. There's an argument to be made Yeah. that had he not thrown a no-hitter, that would have been a bigger surprise. <laughs> Such a jerk. <laughs> okay. Now, who was the guy who threw the well, no-hitter, but it didn't well, count? That, that guy got robbed. Oh, Remember, that was like, Madison Bumgarner. There you go. This was only seven innings. Yeah, he got robbed, this guy. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner throwing a seven-inning no-hitter against some team deserves the no-hitter more yeah. than anybody throwing it against the Seattle Mariners <laughs> right. over nine innings. <laughs> Hear me out on this. Okay. He threw a no-hitter. 
Everybody went crazy. You need to know a few things. The number four hitter in the Mariners lineup that day was hitting 184. The number five, this is the middle of the lineup. Number four was hitting 184. Number five was hitting 140. Number six was hitting 141. And number seven was hitting 129. That's your four, five, six, and seven innings uh, hitters, okay? Add to that that John Means of the Orioles, and I know this was after that game, but John Means of the Orioles was was limiting opponents to a 135 batting average this season in his seven starts. Okay. John Means gives up a 137 batting average, and he's facing a team with 184, 140, 141, and 129 in the middle of their lineup. Okay? How does he not throw a (laughs) no-hitter? Right, the math says he will, yes. Okay, because the truth (laughs) is that over 30 at-bats, you know how many hits the Mariners... That Mariner lineup gets over 30 at-bats. Every 30 at-bats. This is just mathematics. Every 30 at-bats. You know, that lineup that went up against John Means, you know how many hits they get every 30 at-bats, that lineup? Five. So he only only beat the average by five. (laughs) Why don't you call him and tell him that? (laughs) His accomplishments suck. They only got five less than they were supposed to get. Right, and the math says they They're only supposed they would. to get five, <laughs> right. okay? So he threw a no-hitter, okay? <laughs> and I want to update that. Poor guy. As of Sunday, when we're recording this podcast, yeah. number five in the lineup on Sunday, 156. Number six, 148. Number seven, 143. Number eight, 157. And number nine, 157. Those were your Seattle Mariners hitting uh, batting averages in the lineup on Sunday. Meantime... There is a guy named Jared Kelnick who's now hitting 444 in his first four games in the minor leagues with a 500 on base percentage and a slugging percentage of about 850. Who needs it? Who needs that in the lineup? Two words not ready. Exactly. <laughs> who needs that? Nah. We're good. I got a great <laughs> idea for Jerry DePoto, which I'm sure he's not heard from anybody in the last eight seconds. Okay. Promote Jared Kelnick and put him in your lineup. This is a novel idea. <sighs> he hit two home runs his first game, his first minor league game on Thursday night. He had two hits on Sunday. He's hitting nearly 500, and you've got a batting a lineup with batting averages all in the 100s from fives. Put Jared Kelnick in the lineup. My guess is by the time we're here recording, not 141P, but 142. Yeah. When we're here a week from now recording 142, I am projecting that he will be in the Mariners lineup. There's just no way, no no way they're not going to put him in there in the next week. No way. Three interviews and then the other stuff segment on episode 141. Hey, it's time for a visit with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. Hey, Dan. Hey, Mitch. Things seem to be moving in the right direction for you guys at Zeke's. You're expanding both in dining room capacity and locations. Yeah, I got to tell you, it feels good to have some normalcy coming back. I think everybody's experiencing it, not just at Zeke's. I actually got stuck in traffic the other day. It actually felt good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's people out and about, and that includes at Zeke's in the dining rooms, and it's... um, you know, it's just fun to have people back in, in our dining rooms and just being out. And the new locations coming where? Yeah, so we mentioned Bellingham. Uh, we're on track for late spring, early summer there. We're really excited about that one. Yep. Uh, we've also mentioned stuff like Seward Park, Mount Lake Terrace, White Center, Burien. So those are those are all in the pipeline and uh, 
and more coming even after that. All right, so what's the Black family having delivered to their door these days in terms of pizza and beer? Yeah, last time you asked me this, I got in trouble because I went right into how the whole family was drinking Hot Tropic. So for the record, Georgia is not drinking Hot Tropic. But uh, the whole family's eating Cherry Bomb pizza. That's that's one of our classics, and it's, it's a fave out there, and it's definitely one of the Black family's uh, favorites. Uh, and then the beer right now is Moon Booter IPA. We brew it together with Old School House Brewery out of Winthrop, and it's it's just a really tasty West Coast IPA that you can you can drink a lot of or just sip it if you want. But it's it's really good. How's uh, the delivery arm of the business doing, Dan? It's good. It's still strong. It's uh, as people dine out more, there's. Uh, slightly less delivery and takeout, but what we make up for both in sales and then just excitement of having people back is totally worth it. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have Zeke's to your door in no time. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Lindsey Schwartz is back with us. He's the CEO of Daniel's Broiler, of course, and I'd imagine, Lindsey, that with expanding dining room capacities, vaccines, you guys should be seeing some forward momentum these last few weeks and months at Daniel's Broiler? We are for sure. It's been a crazy year, obviously, but uh, over the past several months, every week we get a little bit busier. And uh, now that we can seat up to 50% capacity and tables of 10, we've got pretty much every available seat full every night. So you have Les Shy, South Lake Union, and the Bellevue locations open. Tell me a little bit about what that's meant to your business, the expanded capacity in the dining rooms. Well, you know, we sell the six foot rule. And so at 50% now, it's about as many tables as we could conceit and still keeping them six feet apart. So it's about as much business as we'll be able to do until there's another significant change. But it's good. You know, we're fortunate that we have pretty big footprints in our locations and we're able to seat a lot of people. And remember, we have outdoor seating at all three locations as well. So um, uh, we got a good amount of seats available. Nice. Takeout and delivery on the rise at Daniel's Broiler as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of the one of the nice things that's come out of all this is we've really, really seen a huge upswing in our delivery to go business. And, and even as we get more people back inside, the delivery takeout continues to be really, really solid. So we think that's a really a new piece of business for us that's here to stay. And uh, it just gives people more options. Fantastic. Always been a great partner of mine, both in the radio days and now with Mitch Unfiltered. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. I mean, I, I feel very fortunate to be able to, you know, stand here and say, you know, hey, I was the last guy drafted, but I did, you know, go to two Super Bowls and, you know, had a, had a great career and, you know, accomplished everything that I dreamed about accomplishing. Episode 141, Mitch Unfiltered. They called the last pick in the NFL draft Mr. Irrelevant, but what happens when Mr. Irrelevant becomes anything but... Our next guest was the 222nd player drafted. I think I got that right, Marty. In 1994, he became the first irrelevant to start a game as a rookie, then became the first irrelevant to play in a Super Bowl, then became the first irrelevant to win a Super Bowl ring. Ladies and gentlemen, this this pains me as a South Floridian to welcome in an old patriot, Marty Moore, to Mitch Unfiltered. 
Hi, Marty. Hey, thank you for having me, Mitch. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yes, uh, it's funny you're from South Florida because uh, Dan Marino was the very first quarterback I played against. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he was my uh, one of my childhood heroes to line up against him uh, on the opening day of my rookie season and almost picked him off. That was quite the experience. Uh, and I was just very fortunate to get drafted. You know, I felt, uh, I felt like I had a little chip on my shoulder and uh, making the team was, was my number one goal. And uh, you know, I did it. And then to start as a rookie, that was, uh, that was, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So nine seasons later, eight of them with the Patriots, a few Super Bowls later, it was a very nice career for you. I want to go back to the beginning or kind of the beginning university of kentucky you call it linebacker you marty university of kentucky when did you expect to be drafted you know everybody who's drafted at the very end of a draft always tells me for the last 30 years that i've been doing interviews i didn't expect that no no one ever expects to be drafted late in a draft what did marty where were you on draft day and what did you expect so i was with my mother and my family up in northern kentucky right across the river from cincinnati a little town called fort thomas i was actually painting her house just trying to keep my mind <laughs> off of the draft <laughs> and uh, i was anticipating everyone was telling me i was going to be you know in the four to six round I'd led the SEC for two seasons, uh, was all SEC, got invited to the East-West Shrine game, got invited to the Combine. And I'll be honest, looking back at my numbers, I know why I did not get drafted in the fourth or fourth to sixth round. I mean, my numbers were not very good, but I was never a very good Combine kid. I could play the game, but my 40 time was a 4-8 um, you know, I bench pressed 400 pounds, but my 225 was, you know, 19, 20, you know, so I didn't blow anybody away with combine numbers. So um, looking back, I understand why I ended up the last pick. Yeah. <laughs> because of, of that. <laughs> well, football was obviously near and dear and such an instrumental part of your life. You go back to high school. I understand that you lost your dad in high school and football kind of saved you in a lot of respects. Is that right, Marty? It, it is. It is. You know, I, um, I grew up, I was dyslexic going through high school and, and football really gave me that outlet to kind of channel my, my anger, my energy. And then my dad died in my arms at 16 years old oh. in our house. So feeling your dad take his last breath in your arms as a 16 year old, you can go a couple different ways. You can, you know, go the route of my brother who um, took drugs and alcohol and kind of took that path. And then I took the path of I'm going to make something of myself and really focused on football, focused on my schoolwork and ended up being on the dean's list at UK. Mm-hmm. You know, was all SEC academically, all American academically. And then football was kind of something that uh, I channeled my energy and my anger toward. You are in the University of Kentucky Hall of Fame. You were the last pick drafted in 1994, 222nd. And I know that there are some stories, some anecdotes about you getting calls during the draft to expect to be drafted from teams that you're going to get drafted. And then it just never came to fruition. Uh, when that when the sixth round came, I was my phone was blowing up. That's when you had a house phone, 
So my mother was answering the phone, you know, and she's like, it's the New York Jets. It's the, you know, Denver Broncos, you know. So I had about six or seven teams telling me, hey, we're going to, you know, take you as a free agent. Um, we may draft you in the seventh round. And then uh, Al Gro called me, who was the Patriots defensive coordinator at the time. And he said, hey, Marty, we're going to take you with the next pick in the draft. I'm really looking forward to um, getting you getting you up here. And I'm watching the TV. Patriots pick comes up, and it's Jay Walker, Howard quarterback. <laughs> and I, w- I mean, I was just dumbfounded. I was like, I just got off the phone with this guy. He tells me they're going to draft me. They draft Jay Walker. And I, pa- I threw my bag in my car. I was so pissed off and I'm in the driveway uh, starting my car and my brother runs out the front door and he goes, Marty, the Patriots have another pick. So I run back in the house and it's Patriots linebacker, Marty Moore university, Kentucky, you know, and then I, then I would look at my brother and I said, where in the world is New England? I'm, you know, because all the other, all the other, you know, teams are like Atlanta, Houston. You know, I was like, where's New England? Where am I going? Bill Parcells got on the phone and he's like, congratulations. He goes, you're the last pick. You're going to get a call from some guy named Paul Salata. Yeah. You're Mr. Irrelevant. And I'm yeah. like, well, what the hell's Mr. Irrelevant? You know, it was all in five minutes. My my world got turned upside all right. down. All right. So tell us who this guy Salata is. We all know Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, I looked it up. 1976, Marty. The first ever Mr. Irrelevant was Kelvin Kirk. But see – the thing was different back then. That was 17 rounds. He was the 487th pick of the 17th round in the NFL draft in 1976. A lot different when you're the seventh round pick, 222. But you get a call from this guy, Salada. Who is Salada? And, and tell everybody what then happens in your world over the next few weeks. Well, you know, so Paul Salada is a guy, and I and I have to do a little research on Paul, but he played uh, professional football for the 49ers. Why do you and I believe him? he also got drafted in baseball, too. Yes. But he is a businessman in Orange County, California, and he thought this – he's kind of a jokester. You know, he's always kind of goofing around, and so he decided that he was going to celebrate the last pick because those guys had no shot of ever making a team, <laughs> and he was going to have this week-long celebration what you haven't told everybody is this guy salada calls and he says you get to come out by because you are mr irrelevant there's something called mr irrelevant week in california come out and be with us right you're you're getting oh yeah all of a sudden you're being flown for being the last pick of the draft you're being flown to southern california to go to disneyland and all that stuff Oh, no, it was it was great. I mean, Paul gets on the phone and he's like, now I'm Paul Slada. You know, I'm in charge of a relevant week. We're going to bring you out to Orange County, California. You're going to fly first class. You know, we're going to put you up in a hotel and we're got all these events for you. And I'm like, is this some type of joke? And um, and he's like, no, be looking for some information from Melanie, my daughter, for this. You know, he sets it up and. Uh, I get the information about a relevant week. I get my first class tickets and uh, I go out there with the last graduate of the Naval Academy. He's called the anchor. 
And so the me and the anchor go out to <laughs> go out to irrelevant week for a week, and he's kind of my bart my buddy, my partner. Uh-huh. You know, you go out to Balboa Bay Yacht Club. They put you on this boat. They bring you back. I mean, they've got the dang band. They've got Budweiser girls. They've got you know all the cheerleaders for I think it was the Rams or the Raiders or yeah. somebody's out yeah. there. Yeah. And it is in a week of just mocking you the whole week and then at the very end of the week they have a celebration for you so you know we're at the banquet and they're presenting me and and this is one of my biggest regrets i got three boxes of pokemon cards when pokemon (laughs) first came out So I get the three peat of the Lakers stuff. They don't they don't three peat. I get the Pokemon cards. I get a key to the city. I get all this free stuff. I mean, it's like I'm not kidding. It was 16 boxes of free stuff. And uh, Willie McGinnis, who was the very first round pick um, with me. Him and a guy named Pat Harlow, who was the sure. starting left tackle for the Patriots, both both USC guy, sure. and another guy named Matt Willig. And Matt played um, – he played for the Jets, the 49ers. He played – I'm trying to think about 10 years, but Matt's in a bunch of Hollywood movies now and does commercials. But, uh, but those guys got up and they were like, man, you got no shot of, you know, Willie didn't, but Pat was like, mm, we don't know. We'll see how you do in training camp. You know, okay. we're going to see how this rookie goes, you know. Well, well, so I got roasted quite a bit. Which brings us to the question, which I was going to ask you is, is it better to be Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft? Isn't it better to not be picked at all so that you can pick your spot? Hey, there's a place that gives you that gives Marty Moore the best chance of making a football team. You know, I would say that um, you're right in that respect. If I was a seventh round guy, I would probably it's always nice to be drafted and be wanted. But when you get toward the bottom of the seventh round, you want to make sure you end up on a roster where they didn't draft three linebackers or they don't have you know, a stack of veteran linebackers and they don't need a linebacker. They were just bringing you in for training camp. So that's kind of something that is a benefit to not being drafted is you get to pick and choose and you actually get to negotiate a higher signing bonus than you do if you're picked. Because once you're picked, it's all predicated on the guy in front of you. So if you're free, you know, kind of a free agent, then you can say, I want this much money, and if the team wants you bad enough, they'll give it to you. Okay, so you make the team as a special team standout, and you're a reserve linebacker. How does it come to be, come to pass, that Marty Moore, Mr. Irrelevant, 1994, with all of his Pokemon cards, gets a chance to start a game in his rookie year? It had never happened. I don't know if it's happened since. It had never happened that a Mr. Irrelevant literally was one of the 22 starters in his first rookie season. How did that happen for Bill Parcells? So, you know, I was going through training camp, and my whole goal in training camp was to hit anything that moved. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. you know, so so the first, first practice, I get into a fight with the previous first-round draft pick who was an offensive guard, uh-huh. and, uh, and then I – tackle the tailback which is a no-no i didn't really tackle him i just knocked the crap out of him and he (laughs) fell on his ass uh so uh but uh you know so i was trying to make a name for myself and and parcells 
I really felt like he started to like me when he started stealing my helmet before practice. He would have the ball boy go up and you would warm up and you'd put your helmet to the side of you. And the ball boys would go always go up and steal my helmet and run it off to the other end of the field. And then when we broke Parcells would be screaming at me going more, why aren't you with the linebackers? You know, and I, cause I was always like the first in the, in the group. I wanted to be the first guy to every drill. Yeah. We end up getting to the third preseason game in, in green Bay. And I'm the backup middle linebacker to Vincent Brown, who is the undertaker. So Vincent didn't talk to me for my entire rookie season. I don't think, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we get to green Bay and Todd Collins, who is a starting weak side linebacker. He gets hurt. And David Bavaro, which was Mark Bavaro's brother, sure. is the backup weak side linebacker. Sure. I'm thinking they're going to throw David in there. Well, Bill Parcells looks at me and he says, get in there at the weak side linebacker. And I looked at coach and I said, I haven't played the weak side linebacker all training camp. He goes, <laughs> I don't care. You know it. Get in there. Well, I go out and I have 14 tackles. Wow. And so – we go to the next week and it's now you make the team or not. So I make the team and we get to, uh, you know, the practice where we're planning the game plan and Parcells calls me in his office and he goes, you're starting at the weak side linebacker. And I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, I, I really don't have any grasp of some of the coverages and things. And he was like, well, you better figure it out and learn fast. Wow. So uh, that's how it ended up happening. So I started the first three games and then uh, Todd came back, um, and then he got hurt again. And then I started the um, – we had to play Chicago at the end of the season to get to the playoffs, and I started there. We beat them, and then I started in a playoff game against the Cleveland Browns, which Bill Belichick was the head coach in 1994. So, yeah, so I ended up starting five games as a rookie, uh, being the last player in the, uh, picked in the draft. Two Super Bowls, one you played in, one you didn't. Do I have that right? Yes, yeah. So I um, in 2002, I tore my Achilles tendon in half, uh, um, last play of the game against the Colts. I've done that. I've done and, that. Um, okay. I ended up on the um, injured reserve for, for that Super Bowl, but uh, – but I was I was on the team and um, you know was there through the first four weeks you know on the field until I until I ruptured it and uh, it was over. Do you wear your ring? You know I do I do you know I I feel I feel like if I would have only played one season and been on IR you know for that one season I probably wouldn't. But you know since that I played eight years with the Pats and felt like I was the beginning of the dynasty if you will being there in '94 getting to the playoffs. And then, you know, having the success we had winning that first Super Bowl, I kind of I'm I'm proud to say that I, I was part of the organization. You have a son, I believe, who's a linebacker going to college. Does he um, does he like dad's ring? Does he approve of dad's playing career? Well, so my daughters, they, they tell me when I die, they're going to cut it up into three pieces and they're all going to get a piece of it. <laughs> my son, my son, uh, he disputes that. He says, I'm getting them all and your kids are going to get the AFC championship game and the peach bowl ring. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, my son is, um, he's going into a senior year of high school. He's got uh, 10 division one offers. Nice. Um, trying to get he, he doesn't have that power five offer that he's trying to get but uh he plays safety so he's faster okay. and more athletic than me uh but i have a feeling he may end up at weak side linebacker you know, once he gets to college you know i think i saw a video where you said he dunked a basketball and his dad could never 
could never dunk a basketball now that I'm now that I'm thinking about it. Listen, before you go, I, I want you we're all the way out here in Seattle, but we have listeners all over the place, huge NFL fans, our listeners. You've talked a little bit over the years to some some people about the culture. You played what eight seasons in New England, one in Cleveland. And you've talked about the differences between the Patriots organization and maybe other places like your experience in Cleveland. Tell our listeners what you've said about why you feel like they're winners under Bob Kraft and Foxborough. You know, so the Patriots, um, you know, we're going to come to work and we're going to be a team. And when I was with the Patriots, most guys drove to work and pickup trucks and SUVs. And the only guy who had a nice car was Bledsoe and he had a Porsche, uh-huh. but Dave Maggett, you know, had a Mercedes and there were a couple of guys with some nice cars, but most of the guys, you know, we worked out at seven 30 in the morning during the off season, we played golf together, we bonded together and we pulled for each other. That organization is all about doing the right thing all the time. And if you don't fit that culture, then you don't stay a Patriot. When I went to Cleveland, it was all about where's my money, where's my next contract, uh, who's got the nicer car, guys showing up to work out at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Just football wasn't important to those guys when I played there. Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, they are all about building a culture and making sure that you fit their culture because if you don't have a good culture within an organization, you will fail. I talk about culture to my high school football team all the time. If you don't fit our culture, we're high school, but you might want to find another sport because this is something that you have to buy in to what the coaches are doing, what the organization is doing. And I feel like the Patriots players, they, they know immediately when they walk through those doors what it's about. Cleveland, when I was there, not so much. Uh, well stated. So as we finish up, I just want to make sure that I've got the facts straight. You never touched number 13 in Miami. You never intercepted number 13 in Miami. Let's make sure that we all are straight on these details. These are the most important (laughs) details. You never got close to the greatest quarterback of all time who had the greatest release of all time. Right, Marty? Well, I'm not going to say I didn't touch him. I'm just going to say I never picked him off. (laughs) Marty Moore, 222nd in the 1994 draft. Mr. Irrelevant, float out to California, and he's going to have this great week in his honor because he's not going to make an NFL team. So this is going to be his career this one week in California little did they know they probably wouldn't have even had you out that you were going to play nine seasons and win Super Bowls and play for Parcells and Belichick it's great to visit with you Marty thank you for doing the interview all the best to you your son your daughters and your family back in Lexington Kentucky hey thank you so much I really appreciate the time I got a question for you have you explored opportunities to save money each month on your mortgage payments All it takes is about seven minutes to see what our next guest can do for you on the phone. Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage is on the horn with us. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thank you. I missed you. It's good to be back. Uh, Great to have you back. What's the latest in the Northwest market these days, buyers and sellers and homes? Yeah, everybody's seeing their homes in their neighborhood selling for way over list. It's an incredibly hot market for sellers. um, And we're working with a lot of buyers, helping them get into homes right now. But great time with low interest rates. I'm not sure that I've ever asked you this question. What happens if I find a home that I really, really like and I want to act upon 
but I haven't sold my home. That's a dilemma for me. Yeah, it's a great question and one we face every day with the buyers that are calling in, especially right now with a little bit tighter inventory. So I've been working with a real estate company and we've developed a program where the company will go in and buy the new home cash for the buyers. Mm. Sellers of the home can move in and then list their home to sell it. Uh, once it's sold, proceeds from that house will go to purchase essentially the private note that this real estate company is willing to go on. So the buyers go nice. on title yep. and it's a private note that we then do the long-term secured takeout financing on. Okay. And how do we reach the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage, Jordan Flowers and his team? Direct line 425-250-3145. Cell phone 425-890-2957. Terrific partners, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Unfiltered. Boone. Skies one to deep center field. Back is Williams. It is gone. Monstrous home run from Brent Boone. And it's 9-2 Seattle. Leading by three as Boone hits it to deep left. That might send the Yankees to the World Series. Episode 141. Mom's weekend has come and gone. We thought we'd pay a little homage to all the mothers out there. So many of you have given so much to your athletic children over the years. Our next guest not only watched her three sons play and excel in professional baseball, but was married to a fabulous, is married to a fabulous player and manager. She's mother to Brett. She's mother to Aaron and Matthew. She's wife of Bob. She is the matriarch. Here's Sue Boone joining us on Mitch Unfiltered. Hi, Mrs. Boone. Hi, Mitch. How are you doing today? It's great to have you. I'm doing wonderful. How did you do it? Mother's Day has come and gone, but how did you do it? Three boys, 11 years apart, and a husband managing at the same time. Tell me, how did you juggle it all? Wow. I have no idea. You know, (laughs) by the grace of God, go I, is all I can say. I wasn't even brought up in an athletic family, per se. So I wasn't introduced to baseball until my sophomore year in high school when I met Bob. And from that point on, I've seen more ball games probably than I can count. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) What did you know about baseball, Sue, when you met Bob? I knew absolutely nothing, (laughs) nothing about baseball at all. Uh. My father was an architect, contractor, so sports wasn't even really in. I had Six sisters and a brother. Wow. And so the sports was far and few between back then. But uh, I learned real fast. And thanks to Bob's mother, because she was always at every game. She kept score at every game. Mm -hmm. And I got to know her a little bit in my sophomore year. But then by my junior year, I knew her very well. And she kind of tutored me all the way through. I was very fortunate. How did you do it with dad off playing and managing? It fell upon your shoulders to get the kids to practices, to get the kids to games, to to be in the stands at all the kids' games and be their biggest cheerleader. When you look back upon those days, did it get away from well, you? Um, no, not really. Fortunately, the kids were spaced kind of perfectly. I have 
Brett, and then Aaron is four years younger, and then Matthew six years younger than that. Mm-hmm. So when I was watching Little League, I was watching junior high ball, and then I was watching high school with Brett. Mm. So I they were all at different times. And then I could listen to Bob's or go to Bob's games in the evening. It got a little more hectic by the time Matthew got into junior high. Aaron was in high school. Brett was up at USC and Bob was playing for the Angels. Um, that's when I was seen upwards of like 18 <laughs> games a week, I think. And I just went from game to game to game. And the one that lost out would be Bob because driving back from SC, I usually couldn't make it to the Angels game, so I'd listen to his on the radio driving home. Mm. Do you ever remember missing one that really hurt? Somebody did something great, or you just weren't able to be in two places at one time, and you weren't able to be there for a a certain game? You know what? Between Bob and my boys, they all had wonderful moments that I know I missed along the way. The one that I pops out in my mind right off the bat is when Aaron hit his home run in New York and won that ball game in 2003. Yes. I was at home and Bob was in Idaho hunting. So neither one of us were at the game. Brett was at the game, but I missed that one. I was watching it, however, and um, it was very exciting. That's the one that kind of pops out at me. We all remember that home run against the Red Sox in 2003. What was mom thinking at the time? I was I was in shock. I, I mean, I was so excited, so excited for Aaron. And the funny thing is, my husband was up in Idaho with um, a real good friend and a bunch of guys hunting, and they were watching the game in the lodge up there. And my husband told his buddy, just before Aaron got introduced, when he was in the on-deck circle, he said, um, Aaron's going to hit a home run mm. right now. And... I was like, oh, come on, come on. Can you do that? And sure enough, he did. I can't believe Bob called it like that. Well, I sort of can, but it was super exciting. I I remember I was standing in the kitchen just staring up at the TV. I had a television in my kitchen. We had televisions all over the house. And I was just standing there watching it, nervous, because Aaron hadn't played that well and hadn't even started the game. He was on the bench. So I knew this was a big situation. But to tell you the truth, my kids and my husband as well seemed to perform really well under pressure. Mm. And so a lot of I had a lot of confidence. I didn't know that he was going to hit a home run, but I thought he might do something. <laughs> you know, Sue, um, let me get sentimental for a minute, if I can. You, you've always mm-hmm. said that you wouldn't have had it any other way. I've seen some interviews that you've done which is incredibly selfless. But the truth is, mothers like you sacrifice so much of your own identity. I think you were a flight attendant before you got married. Your own story to get your children to these practices and games and be their biggest cheerleader. I'm the youngest of three boys. None of us played beyond high school, but I still look back to that 20-year period in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and I feel sad that my mother gave up so much of her own identity to take care of the boys and to make sure the boys were happy and to make sure that the boys read all their practices and games and to be in the stands when she didn't come up in an athletic family and all and probably didn't have any idea what was going on in these games. Do you ever look back upon that time and, and want a little of your own time back? No, never, never. I, I never even think about that. I mean, anytime. 
you have an opportunity to watch your children doing something that they love so much and doing well at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was my joy. It was my absolute joy that I had these three boys that loved to play ball. I wouldn't have cared what they did, whatever they did. I'm going to be their biggest supporter. And I never felt like I missed out on anything. If anything, I gained a lot by just, I met some wonderful people. I've, it, it, it was just a wonderful experience. I wouldn't do anything differently. I would do it all over again. At Super Sweet? I didn't get to do a lot of other things, but yeah. it didn't matter to me at the time. That was the most important. And I thought, you know what? I'll get time to do my own thing later, but I'm still going to ball games, and I'm watching my grandkids play, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Did you ever desire to have a career of your own, Sue? Uh, no. Okay. You know, I was brought up in the 50s. My dad never really encouraged me to go to college, and that's why I, I actually became a flight attendant right as I graduated from high school because I could fly up to Stanford and see Bob because Bob was playing at Stanford. And I thought, perfect, I can get passes. I can fly up there and see him for a day, fly back home. And that's the reason I got the job. But back then, if you got married, you got fired. And people even ask me to this day, you could have gone back and sued him and all this. I said, no, no, you could. I said, sure, if you wanted to, you could, I suppose. But I said, I signed a contract. In the contract, it said, you get married, you can't fly anymore. Wow. That was part of the deal. So why, wow. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. But I ended up working as a ground hostess after that up in, at the San Jose airport mm-hmm. while Bob was uh, finishing up at Stanford. And from then on, it was like we were at full speed ahead, you know, in baseball. And I got to do a lot of wonderful things on the side. I got to teach a lot of women with Arlen Parrish. And K Warehouse, we had a Bible study with 500 women that I did for like 10 years. That was amazing. I was given a platform, and part of that was because of who I was married to, but it didn't matter to me. It gave me a platform, and we had some wonderful, wonderful years. Uh, I cherish every minute of it. So sweet and generous, Sue. And now, the next generation of Boons. I want to know how many grandkids are there and how many of them are playing baseball. I know that Brett's got a, a son that I believe is in the Washington organization. Yes. Jakey is in Fredericksburg, Virginia okay. this year playing. And he just graduated from Princeton. So proud of him. He's going to be successful no matter what he does. But he's a good ball player, so we'll just have to sit back and watch and see what's going on. So now we can tune that game in every day. And because Bob's still working for the Washington Nationals now, he goes back and watches all those teams play. So he'll be able to get back quite a few times this year and see Jake, which is going to be really nice for him because he does enjoy that. And I've got Aaron's son, one of his boys, is playing baseball and might be a pretty good player. Don't know yet. He's only 15. We'll see. Okay. And – yeah, have a few girls thrown in there, too. <laughs> you know, we've got 10, 10 grandchildren. Just proud of all of them. That's nice. That's very, very nice. How's Aaron doing? I know that he had a health scare a year or so ago. How's he doing? Aaron's doing well. He ended up get having to get a pacemaker in spring training this year and got that taken care of and feels a lot better. He was just getting a little feeling tired and kind of run down a little bit and he went in and had it checked out right away and they said yeah you need a 
you know, we need to insert a pacemaker. So he had that put in in the spring, and um, he's doing well. Feels awesome. feels good, and yeah. Brett's greatest years were here in the Pacific Northwest when he was with Seattle yes. and the Mariners, Sue. Yes, I spent a lot of time up there. <laughs> <laughs> love that stadium. Love the time we spent up there. Yeah, I would travel up there quite a lot actually especially when brett's twins were babies Mm -hmm. so that i could give his wife some extra help and i would stay a week or two or three sometimes when bob was on the road and then kind of meet up with bob and then go back to my other kids and then i just kind of make the rounds but i got to spend a lot of time in seattle it was beautiful up there yeah and aaron and aaron when he was a little boy would mimic announcers and and pretend with the couches and the cushions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember um, Bob's parents coming back to New Jersey when Bob was with Philly Mm -hmm. and Bob was on the road and um, Aaron used the two couches as his two dugouts and he'd make (laughs) a diamond in the center of the floor. And I remember Ray went to sit down on one of the couches and I said, Ooh, I said, unless you're going to play the game, you can't sit there. You have to sit somewhere else. And, of course, coming from a mother that was thinking, oh, spoiled kids, what do you mean I can't sit on the couch? I said, no, (laughs) he's serious. He's serious. He played all nine innings. He mimicked every player, announced the game as it was going on, and unless you were going to take part in the game, you couldn't sit on those couches. Mm -hmm. And I let him do it because it was it was so important to him. I mean, that was a big, big part of his day. So that was kind of his time in the living room. We'd join him every now and then, but for the most part, he had control of that living room during the ball game. Sue, how did you take the pressure off? You know, you had Matthew, and he was a very good player and played professionally. Maybe didn't make it to the level that the other two boys did. And now you've got grandkids that are trying to play baseball. It's difficult it's difficult on the ones that come up after some of the, you know, the dad and the grandfather and the fathers had success and the older brothers had success. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure there, there's definitely some pressure there. But I know just from Bob and from Brett and from Aaron, even Matthew, the way they are with their children, they've never put any kind of pressure on them at all. And I think it kind of trickles down to the boys. I think maybe that's why they perform well under pressure. They've been around it all their lives. So going into those situations, they seemed a little bit, just a little bit more confident and calmer than some of the other players, you know, and that might, uh, might be why it made it easier for me when I watched them because I knew they were confident and they would do the best they could do. So I, a lot of parents were wringing their hands and going nuts. I just didn't. But I think it was also because Bob was playing at a major league level and the pressure in little league at that point and junior high or high school was just nothing compared to the pressure on the major league level. So I never really got that nervous about it. I kept score at all the high school ball games. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of sat down at the score table and sat there and kept score. So I really didn't interact a whole lot with everybody else while I kept score. It made it easier for me to kind of focus and just watch the game. Well, based on our few minutes together, Sue, I can already tell where they got all their great qualities, these boys and these grandkids. They got it from, oh, yeah. they got it from grandma. <laughs> they got it from mom. They got it from Sue. They got it from, uh, from the North Dakota. North Dakota or South Dakota are you from? Fargo, North Dakota. Fargo, North Dakota. 
They got it yeah. from Sue. What a great privilege it is for us to catch up with you and, and hear some of the stories. And as I said, I know Mother's Day was this past weekend, and all of us salute our moms. Some of us don't have our moms anymore. Others of us, like me, feel very honored and special to have their moms still in their life. And so I say thank you to you and, and thank you to all the moms out there for all you've done for both the athletes in your families and the non-athletes in your families. Thanks so very much, Sue. Okay, thank you, Mitch. It was nice talking to you today. It's time for Quizlet number three. I improved from one to two. Ladies and gentlemen, here she is, Katie Versio, Senior Financial Planner, our partners, Evergreen Golf Call. How you been, Katie? I've been good, Mitch. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm fearful, but I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> three questions. Okay, so I'm going to start you off with an easy one, and the, the topic today is about taxes. Okay. The 2020 tax filing deadline has been pushed back from April 15th. Uh, what's the new tax filing date? Is it July 15th, May 1st, April 30th, or May 17th? Easy one, May 17th. They gave us more time in 2020 than in 2021. I tried to trick you there. Uh, last year it was July 15th, but this year it is May 17th. Okay, one for one. Question two. So tax reform is a major topic on everyone's mind this year. Uh, Biden's administration is proposing increasing the top income tax rate from 37% to what? Is it 40%? 42.5%? 39.6% or 38%? I'm going to be two for two, 39.6%, Katie. That's right. Yes, that was what it used to be before the tax reform in 2017. So, yes, it's proposing from 37 to 39.6. I'm two for two, and I'm going for the clean sweep. Okay, let's see if I can get you here. So um, another major component of tax reform is a proposal to lower the federal estate tax exemption amount from $11.58 Now, Washington State has our own a state tax exemption amount. So is that $1 million, $2.193 million, $4.2 million, or $6.193 million? The Democratic way, Katie. <laughs> um, I don't know what Washington State's current tax exemption is. I should know that. I'm gonna throw out the extremes. I'll throw out A and D. Let's go 4.2 million, I'll stay with C. Okay, so actually it's B, $2.193 million. For anyone that passes away, if your estate is above that amount, you have to pay taxes to the state on that. Not too bad. Two for three, Katie. Not too yeah. bad. You'll come back soon. Evergreen Golf Call. We love them. Everything wealth. Unfiltered. Well, there's a young woman who is from uh, Oklahoma, but she was looking for an affordable place to live. So... She found a place online. It was three fifty a month for a two-bedroom. She's like, okay, I'm Man. in. She rented it sight unseen and moved. When she got there, she saw the sign. It said, Senior Citizen Apartment. Uh-oh. Our next guest has become quite the phenom on social media after her recent move to a new home in Arkansas. She's chronicling her honest and hysterical mistake on TikTok, recent New York Times and Newsweek articles as well haven't hurt. Ladies and gentlemen, here she is, 19-year-old Maddie Kohout. 
Hi, Maddie. How Hi, are you? Hi, how are you? Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> great Thank to, you for having me. It's great to have you. So start at the beginning. Where are you from? Tell us about your upbringing. Who is Maddie Kohout? Yeah, so I actually moved from Norman, Oklahoma to a small town consisting of 3,000 people called Pitt, Arkansas. And it all started when I met a lady on TikTok about a year ago. So whenever I grew up, I didn't have much family involved in my life. Um, Whenever I was 17, I had moved out and kind of started my young adult life by myself. Well, in June of last year, I was able to meet a lady on TikTok, and I connected and bonded with her. And so she wanted to welcome and bring me a part of her family. Well, in February of this year, I was able to come visit Pigot, Arkansas, and I felt super welcome and super loved, and they adopted me into their family with love. And so they invited me to come move out here to Pigot, Arkansas. And so about a week later, I moved all of my things, and by March, I was all moved in. Um, To my surprise, I actually moved into a retirement home. Yeah. Uh, wait, so go back, Maddie. You met this lady on TikTok. Tell me about this woman. So, Not somebody your age, somebody your mom or your grandmother's age. How, how did you go about meeting her, finding her, and connecting with her? Yeah, so we found each other on TikTok. Um, I've always documented my life experiences through TikTok, and she had realized that I had no one to spend the holidays with. So whenever she saw those videos, she originally reached out to me and said, hey, we would love for you to come be a part of our family. And I just thought that was the sweetest thing. And we just bonded throughout the year through social media. Well, whenever I met her, um, I absolutely fell in love with her family and they adopted me into theirs. Wow. That is incredible. What a nice family. What what a nice lady. When was the move? The move was at the beginning of March of this year. Okay. You decide to pick this Arkansas town because of this family that you had bonded with, this lady that you had bonded with. You're going to you're going to move from Norman, Oklahoma to to Arkansas and you need a place to live. Pick up the story from yes. there. You're in Oklahoma. You're you're online, I guess, and you're looking for inexpensive rental apartments online, right? Right. So I was looking at a bunch of listings online, local listings from the Piggott area, and I saw a few apartments I really liked. Well, my adoptive mom said that she found one that she said sounded good. And so I kind of trusted her with that. Neither one of us has seen the outside. We haven't seen the inside of the apartment. So I was a little skeptical whenever I packed up the U-Haul to move from Norman to Piggott. I moved in the evening hours. So it was kind of dark. I didn't really see the surroundings very much. Mm -hmm. I met the landlord and signed the lease. And, um, yeah, that's kind of where it happened. Uh, You drive to Arkansas with all your belongings. You meet the landlord in the evening. You sign the lease. And the landlord says to you, Maddie, go ahead and move in. You can move in at night. Don't worry about making a lot of noise. Correct? Correct. I haven't. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> she hadn't mentioned anything about me being the only teenager there at that moment. So throughout the week, before I noticed anything, I had met my neighbors. And to my surprise, they were all over the age of 65. And a lot of them were super excited to see me. They're, they were saying, 
Oh, wow. We're so glad to have a young person here. You are the first young person to live here in a while. And I was just a little confused. Um, throughout the week, I had seen some of my neighbors and realized they were all elderly. Um, and then about a week later, I saw a sign down the road that said senior living. But it made sense because whenever I spoke to the landlord, she was like, yeah, um, you live with a bunch of seniors. You're the only one living in our senior apartment complex. And this is a complex of 10 units. You right. you find out that it's all it's all seniors. Did it make sense to you why the the landlord would rent you out the apartment? Why if this is in a if this is a complex for seniors, would she do that? It actually it didn't make sense to me. Um, I was a little shocked at first. But I've always had a heart for older people. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I came to that realization, I was just super excited. I've been able to get close relationships with a few of my neighbors, and they surprise me with snacks and home-cooked meals all the time, and I get to hear their life stories. (laughs) And so it's just really been like an eye-opening experience in itself. The manager said to you late at night when you signed the lease, don't worry, Maddie, you can move in now if you'd like. You don't have to worry about making a lot of noise. Why don't you have to worry about making a lot of noise? Because none of them can hear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now how many days after you move in do you realize that this is a senior, this is a complex for seniors? It took me a full week to okay. realize okay. what I had done. <laughs> okay, Okay. so now you realize it. Oh, my gosh, I'm in a complex a senior living complex, and I'm 19 years old, is your first reaction, oh, no, I can't live here, I got to find another place to live? Or is your first reaction, and what did your your new friend, your new family say? What was the first reaction? First reaction initially was shock. I didn't really think much of it at that point and embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I was super embarrassed just because I had been meeting new friends and new guys have been coming to pick me up to go on like some (laughs) dates. And then I was like, oh my goodness, they've been picking me up from a senior living complex and they probably know it's one of these two. And so I was really embarrassed at first, but the longer I've been there, the like I just get loved on every single day. And so it's honestly been just one of the best living experiences I've had um, with apartments. So I don't plan on moving anytime soon, but I really like it so far. What do the guys say when they come pick you up for a date and they notice that you're living in a senior community? Well, the first guy that picked me up, um, I don't think he realized it at first. <laughs> Um, but I actually, I'm just super awkward. I get myself in awkward situations all the time. Well, he picked me up, and I was meeting him for the first time, and he was well-known in town, and I locked my keys in my apartment. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so embarrassing. So he had to, like, come into the senior living complex, try to help me open my door. I had to get the landlord, along with some older people, to come help let me in. Um and then following the end of that day, I was like, just please drop me back off at the retirement home. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny, Maddie. This is so funny. So do you hang out with your neighbors a little bit? Do you, I mean, I know that there are people in our audience. Is she playing bingo with her, with her neighbors? Have you connected with some neighbors more than others? Have everybody been friendly? 
Yes. Overall, everyone has been friendly. There has been a select few that I've gotten close to within the past two months. Um, we have a lot of late night conversations. I always go over to their apartments and I catch them up on what's going on in my life and what's going on in theirs. Uh-huh. We talk all the time. Even when I get home from work, a lot of them will come meet me um, at their door and they'll be like, hi, Maddie, how's your day been? So <laughs> what a, they know a little bit of everything. <laughs> what are, Maddie, what are some of the perks for a 19-year-old living in an old folks complex? Perks. You will get loved on more than you ever have. Um, I like to say it's like having extra sets of grandparents everywhere. <laughs> Do you have to get their approval for the guys that you date? Usually I don't tell them when I'm about to go out, but they'll give me, they'll give me their honest opinion when I get back uh, for sure. <laughs> so you have, no, you have no intention of moving out. Of course, they don't want you to move out, and the landlord doesn't want you to move out. But you have gotten some blowback, as I understand it, Maddie, on social media from people accusing you of different things. What's that been like? Right. Um, some people have been coming to me, some reporters, like, oh, we're going to try to uncover your story and things like that. And I understand, like, when you get bigger and something goes viral on social media, you're going to get both the good and the bad. But, I mean, I've just been taking it with love and with joy, like I always have, taking it day by day. I mean, people are going to try to tear it down, but... I mean, I'm out here living in a senior complex, so there's not much to it to uncover. So, I mean, I can welcome them in to come meet me and my neighbors anytime. Oh, (laughs) gosh. This is great. How have you enjoyed your newfound fame? I understand some of your TikTok videos, which are chronicling your stay and your new life at the old age home, um, have, yeah. have gone viral. And a lot of people, a lot of people are watching and viewing, right? Right. There's a lot of people. It's been so fun because at the beginning of my TikTok journey, I didn't have a lot of followers, but it was okay because they were just like a little TikTok family, like mm-hmm. people that were genuinely like interested in going day by day in my life with me. And so a lot of them have kept up with where I'm at today. And I've got a lot of new followers too that are just interested in my story. So it's so fun to like walk through life with all of my extra sets of grandparents, with my new family, and then TikTok as well, because it's like all of these people are walking this journey with me. So it's, it's just been super fun. Happiest time of your life, Maddie? Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, wow. Really, really good stuff. Maddie Kohout, all the way from, what do we call it, Piggott? P-I-G-G-O-T? Piggott, Arkansas. Her new home in a senior living community. It was a mistake, and as it turns out, it was a blessing in disguise. Thank you, Maddie. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you so much. Hey, back with us on Mitch Unfiltered is John Waterstrat, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions. Not to mention the presenting sponsor of our fun March Madness Bowl. Thank you for that, John, by the way. Give us an update. What's the latest at Fireside? Well, thanks, Mitch. It's great to be back and just kind of talking to your listeners. And uh, it's been great. The Puget Sound area is starting to open itself back up. And I still think that the whole remodel, people wanting to do something to their home continues to get people pouring into our showrooms. And we feel very, very blessed to be able to help them in any way we can. We want to have your team over to the house to come up with a solution outside. We want to put a new fire pit out there. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. Well, tell us about that arm, the fire pit arm of the fireside business. 
Yeah, it's a great complementary business to our fireplace business. People want that nice, warm feeling outside, so uh, it's it's done well. So people want to extend those areas outside. So we're able to put a fireplace for a nice living room area outside, or we can do that gathering space under a fire pit. So again, we can do up to uh, fireplaces, fire pits, and we could even provide you heaters outside, extend those uh, chilly nights in the Northwest to a longer period of time outside. Perfect. And while the name is Fireside Home Solutions, you guys introduced garage doors, a garage doors layer to your business not too long ago. Tell us why you did that and how it's been. Uh, we were able to have an opportunity to uh, purchase one of our competitors. He was doing fireplaces and garage doors. He wanted to retire. So we were able to kind of blend our two companies together. We looked at that garage door business and we said, wow, what a great complimentary business to fireplaces. Creating that warm, cozy feeling inside was that same feeling that people wanted to do on the outside to add to that curb feel of their home. It's one of those things when neighbors drive by and they look at your house like, wow, what happened to that house? And to add that nice curb feel both outside now and then inside the home and having that warm, cozy place, it's, it's pretty exciting to have both of those pieces of our business. Well, it's exciting for us to be partnered with Fireside Home Solutions for the last few years. We're really thrilled and privileged to have you aboard. We love you. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. Episode 141. We call this the other stuff segment. Don't forget, become a patron. Yeah. Five bucks a month or $55 over the course of a year. Buy 11 months. Get one month free. Love it. We do it all. And, and click play. It really does us wonders if you click play on all the old Mitch Unfiltered episodes. What do you got over there on Other Stuff segment? Well, are you happy that we all lived? What happened? Was I supposed to die? Well, the Vegas odds actually paid off this time because Uh-oh. debris from the Chinese Long March rocket. Uh-oh. Tell me you followed this. No, I did not follow it, but I did get hit in the head with something the other day. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> well, it, the prob- they, they said the probability that it would crash on water was really good. Those were the odds in Vegas. This this Chinese rocket was just out of control in space and it was going to crash into Earth, but nobody knew where. Like, And, and did it? Most of it burned up okay. coming back in, but yeah. there was a piece that entered the size of a Mack truck. Now, if, if that would have hit Manhattan, that would have been bad, but it eventually crashed into some water right off the, the Maldives, right off the, those yeah. islands. Yeah. But a Mack truck size Jeez. piece of rocket could have come down and hit someone's house. I mean, no one knew where it was going to land. If somebody said to you, Hotshot, we will put you in a space shuttle tomorrow. You okay. need nothing. You need to do nothing but sign a waiver that we're not responsible for anything that happens. We're going to take you up tomorrow. And let's assume it didn't take all kinds of training and and everything that it takes to get somebody in a in a physical condition to be able to go. Up. Would you go up in a space shuttle if it was made available to you? I, I yeah, I'm too scared. I don't. But I don't have that daredevil gene at all. It, okay. it doesn't do much for me. Now, if I could snap my fingers, yeah. be in space, and then snap it back, and I'd be here. And know I'm going to be safe. I would love to see what it looks like, but no, I don't have it. Okay. I, 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 how about okay. you? I mean, do you yeah. have that? Absolutely yeah. not. No way. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I hide. I'm afraid somebody's <laughs> going to ask me to come into their space. And now you hear that things are falling out of the goddamn sky. Maybe you're onto something. Oh my God. <laughs> it looks like that Albert Pujols has retired after all those home runs. Yeah. I guess there was a 
an unceremonious ending in California and Anaheim and the Angels mishandled the situation and Pools got pissed at him and he oh. thought he was going to be in the lineup and then he wasn't in the lineup, then he wasn't on the team. And the question is, is anybody going to sign him? Well, Albert Pujols deserves a mention on this episode 141. He's going straight to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. One of the best hitters of our generation, made a lot of money with both the Cardinals and the Angels, apparently is, uh, is at the end. The online dating platform Tinder... They're making sure folks who are looking for love don't fall hook, line, and sinker for a Bill Gates impersonator. Oh. It's not the worst idea in the world, is it? So they're saying they got some serious tools to make sure anyone's plan to pose as Bill will fail. Because I don't think there's any chance that he's the real Bill Gates is actually going to go on online. Could anybody really pull that off, though? Wouldn't the, wouldn't the red flags go up if you saw, if you were a female and you saw somebody saying, their Bill Gates with Bill Gates's pictures or however they build those profiles. Come on. Could you really pull that off? Yeah, but you would- could somebody really convince somebody else without talking or meeting them in person or having a video chat that they were Bill Gates. People are scammed out of billions of dollars every year. I know, but come on. And people oftentimes talk themselves into what they want to hear. But at some point that person would say, "Let's do a a FaceTime. Uh, they, this stuff, believe me. Let's I w- meet for a, a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Sorry, my, my phone doesn't work, and I live across the country. I can't meet you for Starbucks. You live in Pennsylvania. I live in, you know, Oregon. But I- you're Bill Gates. Yeah, you can but snap I'm, your fingers and be here overnight. I'm very busy, and my phone doesn't work. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I see I, what I, you're uh, saying, but people get scammed all the time by know, bigger horseshit I, scams I, than that. I know. <laughs> the Nigerian princes and all that stuff. People get scammed all the time. You would think, yes, a normal no, person. Come on. You can't fall for that. I agree. You would think but people fall for it. And again, okay. it's it's not really them falling for it. They're talking themselves into it. I'm really going to marry. Bill Gates really likes me. I know. It seems silly, but people fall for worse than that. I, I've been, you've been following what, what, what Melinda's God. been handed down, the shares of Coke and all that stuff? No. Coca-Cola? I saw that they, they sold a, a $1.8 billion worth of some stock, maybe in a railroad. I don't remember yeah, exactly that, where it was. Yes, I did talk about I that. I saw on, that. Yeah. Well, she also got t- over 25 million shares of Coke Bottler, which is based in Mexico. Yeah. Bill has zero shares, but those shares would be valued at around 120 million today. So oh, that's nothing. That, it's, right, but this is just yeah. this is the appetizer. I mean, we're 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 just getting going here, but it, it does feel like this has been planned for a while because all the dominoes are starting to fall on this. So yeah, there was another stock, 155 million shares of Grupo Televisa, which is a Mexican multimedia media company that produces programs. So so let me ask you this: Why is Tinder? And that's worth 386 million. Go okay, ahead. why is Tinder being very careful for Bill Gates impersonators? But there, but you don't tell me anything about somebody posing as Melinda Gates. Couldn't I be? Couldn't I be fooled that I? Uh, <laughs> not, I'm not to, not why are we fooled. not discussing the other way around? You could be Melinda Gates. <laughs> why not just do that? <laughs> why, why are we so concerned? Yeah. For all the, I guess, women or men out there that would be fooled into believing they're talking to Bill Gates, but we're not having any discussion. Yeah. Over one of the who will be one of the wealthiest women, if not the wealthiest woman on the planet. Yeah. Why are we not having that conversation? I'm with you. Call Tinder. I, I think I have we a, should be concerned. Congratulations to Wade Miley. Do you remember when Wade Miley was a member of the Seattle Mariners? Bet you don't remember that. I don't. Yeah, he was once a left-handed starter for the Seattle Mariners. Okay. He threw a no-hitter. 
this week. No sense in hanging on to that guy. I didn't even know he was still pitching in Major League <laughs> Baseball. This is like you I said, turn on though. the TV. Wade Miley's throwing a no hitter. Wade Miley is that his son? Is that the son of the guy that used to play for the Mariners? I mean, this, this is the guy who used to play for the Mariners. This is the year to throw the no hitter. You're saying the batting averages are all down. You might have all kinds of no hitters. Oh, of course, people you've never heard it's, of. It's more of a shock when you don't throw a no hitter, <laughs> right? Than when you do. Well, congratulations to Wade Miley. I'm happy for congratulations. him. Congratulations. Pfizer's pledging to donate thousands of doses of its COVID vaccine to inoculate Olympic athletes in the hopes of saving the games. This is in the wake of a new movement in Japan to call the whole thing off. So we don't know if the Olympics is even going to happen. And okay. what's a call when you sign up? Oh, there's a petition that had a, has a lot of momentum to cancel it because the country of Japan's like, look, we don't want another outbreak. And so who knows if we'll even have an Olympic Games. I, it was already postponed once. So I don't know. I was looking to see, do we know who's on the basketball team for the USA? Have we heard anything about that? No, I, I imagine it hasn't been chosen yet. But isn't it like in a couple of months the Olympics? Yeah, I mean, but they're playing in the NBA right yeah, now. Well, you can still pick a team. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they have, and I don't know. I'm curious. I don't know. That's no like idea. that's my favorite time to watch no basketball. I, yeah. I, I love the Olympics. Tom basketball. Brady's upgrading his boat. I know this is important to you, Hotshot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had a 55-inch, two million dollar, W A J E R wager, wager. Okay, that's the one that you saw in the. Um, in the celebration for the Super Bowl that they were on the boat and he was yep. throwing the trophy around and oh, everything nice else. boat, yeah. Not good enough. Oh, it's not. No. Okay. He needed the seven, the new 77-footer for $6 million. <laughs> Who doesn't? He said the uh, the 55 is an amazing boat. It's been a an amazing boat for our family, the 55-footer. But I think that the 77-footer will be a little more suited for what we need down here, which is a few more day trips and weekend trips. You know, we spend a lot of times in the Bahamas, a lot of time in the Bahamas, so going from the east coast of Florida across into the Bahamas and around the Bahamas would be really great trips for us as a family. There's just so much to see here. Some great reefs. Our family loves to do some diving. A lot of snorkeling the kids do. The fact that with a little bit bigger of a boat for us, the 77-footer allows us to sleep overnight really comfortably. Those weekend trips will be great memories for our families for years to come. Well, as you know, I've... I've lived a life worrying about his comfortability levels if that's even a word i'm i'm happy they're going to be comfortable because i ha- i do worry about it on a daily basis two million the two million dollar 55 footer no good <laughs> take take it back i remember in goodfellas when you, everyone's <laughs> buying fur coats yeah. and the, the cadillacs take it back that's what, that's what he said to his wife when she comes over the 55 footer take it back get a bigger one. Oh, God. 77 foot boat is i mean look i'm <laughs> I know there's a lot of anti-rich people sentiment, like with Elon Musk hosting SNL. Oh, I have it on my list. Okay. I, Did you watch? I watched half. I, I watched through the news. I only saw the uh, the monologue, the opening monologue, and so, the opening skit with the mothers. I like that. That was funny, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not an anti-rich guy person. I, 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 it's America. Go make your money. I don't care. But there's, sometimes there's just the optics of it. There's people, there's a lot of people suffering, a lot of people out of work, a lot yeah. of people with loved ones who have died. Yeah. Do we need to hear about how you'll be more comfortable on a boat that's 22 feet bigger as you're going through what, the, uh. the Bahamas? Is that what he said? <laughs> God. Just stop talking. Uh. Just go live your life and enjoy it. Holy crap, man. Uh. Uh, well, good for them. I'm happy that they will now be comfortable. All there right, you a, go. A ring video shows a San Bernardino delivery worker dropping off a package on a front porch, oblivious to the cactus behind him as he was bending over. Oh, geez. It looks like he got at least 10 quills right in the butt, Bob. Of course, he immediately jumped in pain, but he kind of laughed at his misfortune, and then he gave a thumbs up like he's doing okay. But How many years, long before you were born, yeah. people were laughing at 
cactus in the ass, right? <laughs> well, cartoons made a, a living cactus off it. in the ass has got to be a hundred years old. People have been giggling yeah. about people sitting on cactuses or rubbing up against cactuses yeah. for a hundred years. <laughs> can you hear? It'll the, never not be funny. It'll you, never not be cute. Can you hear the the cartoon noise it used to make when boom that little <laughs> boing noise? You know, every time they'd get poked. <laughs> I was in Arizona like a month ago. Yeah. I was looking at one of these cactuses. It, it looks like Satan dreamt this evil thing up there are so many little barbs oh and it just looks evil like yeah. where did these things come from okay nicholas newhart was outside kid rocks big ass honky tonk and rock and roll steakhouse <laughs> holding a beer and blocking a side emergency door exit when security asked him to move nick refused and the security flagged down the police to assist with removing this guy mr newhart then proceeded to take out his colostomy bag and started swinging it from left to right, striking two officers with his feces. Come on. He was charged with disorderly conduct, public intoxication, and two counts of assaulting a police officer and is being held at the Davidson County Jail in lieu of a $4,500 bond. Newhart, who has a Confederate flag tattoo on the back of his head and a neo-Nazi 1488 tattoo on his forehead, has a rap sheet with convictions for theft, vandalism, obstruction, and public intoxication. Now, look, I don't want to judge this guy too harshly. <laughs> But to me, this guy sounds like a real shitbag. <laughs> Wait a second here. Are we really oh. to believe? Are we really to believe that security had an issue with a drunk guy who sports a neo-Nazi tattoo on his head at Kid Rock's big ass honky tonk and rock and roll steakhouse? Are we to believe that? Come on. All right. Uh, nobody deserves to be on the receiving end of a stranger's feces, especially the police. This is why I proudly fly a flag showing the thin brown line. Having to wear a colostomy <laughs> thin, thin blue line. <laughs> Having to wear a colostomy bag isn't a laughing matter, and I feel for this guy and anyone else who has to wear one. It's really sad to think that these people can't hide from their family to stare at their phone for 30 minutes. And finally, one of the police officers was quoted as saying, "This isn't the first time shit has flown through the air at this place. Occasionally, they play Kid Rock's music." Oh. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Is that- I-, I thought you were a Kid Rock. You're not a Kid Rock fan. <laughs> Sympathetic figure, as I would. I don't know. No, I, I don't fan. know. I would have figured he would have been the. Well, he made the like focus three, of a Patreon show. No, he, but he made like two or three. So I mean, it's weird oh. that he's still kind of relevant in a oh, way. In a way, yeah, know. he wasn't like a big hit machine. Oh, he wasn't. He, he had his moment. Oh, he did. He had his moment. He had some a couple big hits. Yeah, but okay. no, that's that's not my thing. <laughs> no. There you go. I'm out. Well, I hope all. I don't know how many mothers we have that listen that tune in to uh, Mitch Unfiltered. I hope we have a few. Yeah. Those of you that are moms in our audience, I I really hope that you had a great weekend. Same. Uh, You deserve it. For all the moms out there, I hope you had just a wonderful Mother's Day weekend. And uh, we're thrilled to have you. All right? Episode 141. Are you good? I'm good. It's in the books.